Jack's being like, I'm gonna wait right here. They're gonna be like, cool. Uh, I guess I'll let everyone know and come back. You're like, oh, I'll get you later. Like, oh, I got any plans tonight. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, today of all days. Does really? tomorrow work for you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tomorrow's taco night, so we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I damn, I wish you'd called ahead. Yeah. He's like, did you make a reservation? Like... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And for our fun fact this episode, it's like, what would you write in the sand? Now, I know a few episodes ago, we did basically the same thing in which it's like, what would you write on the hatch door secretly? Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't want to make it the same answer as last time. Okay. And I also feel like this takes more effort. Okay. Because it's so yeah, large. Yeah, yeah, you have to be like short and concise. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Because it has to be only like a few letters, you know? Yeah. But like, maybe I would write, this is a reach. Mm-hmm. Like, can I just, like, write Raven in the sand and then just be like, I can't swim. <laughs> Which is just a Vine reference. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to make mine a Vine reference, too. Okay, great. Oh, no. <laughs> My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And because you did a vine, I'm going to do a vine. And I'm going to say it says WTFR, which stands for what the f*** Richard. <laughs> Perfect. That's outstanding. Thank you. And this episode, our guest is Jay. Finally. So um, tell us a little bit about you. All right. Well, as you introduced me, my name is Jen. Um, my name's Jen Della Luna, and I'm a 30-year-old fangirl who also does less fandomy things like being a student services manager because bills. Yay! I am also based here in Vancouver, so I am happy to be face-to-face with you two <laughs> today. <laughs> so exciting. And um, I am a true blue poof souffle, um, also known as a Hufflepuff for those who aren't in the know. I just really wanted to say poof souffle out loud. And uh, I have an undying love for the hero adjacent characters that just need a damn hug. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where we're at. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is our very first Lost podcast that we're recording without wearing headphones. Yeah, this and is- uh, all of us in the same room, which yeah. is very exciting. I'm honored to have to be the reason that you're not having nice. sweaty ears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for test piloting this program with us. My pleasure. So, uh, who are some of your favorite characters on this show here? Definitely Desmond. Mm-hmm. Good. Number one. Good. Um, Sawyer is like number two for me, and then I would say Hurley, Jin, and Kate mm. round out the top five. Yeah. Did you want to say something uh, in particular about Kate? <laughs> I love her. <laughs> <laughs> and Evangeline Lily, if you ever listen to this podcast, you were my bisexual awakening in 2004. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. And your new hair looks great. Yes. Your hair looks great. <laughs> or lack of hair, really. True. Yeah. The <laughs> amount of shampoo she's going to save. Yeah. Oh my right. God. Must no be more, so liberating. Exactly. No more like heavy trips to Lush. Uh-huh. Just the one. Just the one. A year. Um, and I know this is a big question, but what does Lost mean to you? Okay, so when I watched Lost, when it first came out, mm-hmm. I was in high school, and obviously I was watching it for the entertainment, the suspense, 
the great characters and the writing were like what kept me in. But watching it back now as a 30 year old, um, <laughs> yes, I did that on purpose. I was like, oh my god, that was Sorry. genius. As a 30 year old, really made me reappreciate it for how it makes me think and how it makes me ask questions. Obviously, the overarching themes of the show, which we're going to discuss later, um, really made me question myself as a person in this day and age. This is getting really deep too soon no that's no no, no um, right but i just love the fact that it made me think about my place in society now mm-hmm. and how i affect other people with my relationships with them obviously not in a crazy like time travely <laughs> uh wibbly wobbly kind of way but um yeah just thinking back makes me associate myself with like what would you do in those positions and those circumstances and relating that to myself now as an adult so um it got way more deep now watching it again mm-hmm. than it did when I was watching it just for funsies. Yeah. So I definitely have a newfound respect and appreciation for it that I missed when I was younger. That's really That was cool. a good answer. Yeah, that, was a, that was a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and so if anybody who's listening wants to follow you, where can they follow you? Um, on the streets of Vancouver, BC. But please, <laughs> please keep a respect. Follow her. <laughs> <laughs> please keep a respectful but Please keep a respectful <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Sorry. Um, but if you would like to follow me online, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jen of the Moon, which is my name in English. Jen Del Luna is Jen of the Moon. So really original there. Um, I do also run... Oh, God. This is going to be great. This is going to be lols and great. <laughs> but I also run on Instagram at Sebastian Stan fan. So if you stand them Bucky fans or um, if you like political animals, a uh, show gone too soon, or if you just like him for Gossip Girl, you can find me there and uh, have fun talking about a really attractive, talented actor. Wait, wait, Sebastian Stan was in Gossip Girl? Sure was. Carter Bazin, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> What a weird career he's had. Taken it way back. Once Upon a Time was the first thing I ever saw him in. Same. Exact same. Um, Yes, he was Jefferson uh, on Once Upon a Time, but yes. I always thought his character should have stuck around, but I was like, it's like, even when he was on Once Upon a Time, I was like, he's too famous for this. (laughs) But it says a lot about him that they didn't even recast him because they wanted to recast him because he was unavailable for that spinoff, the Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. spinoff. And the fans got so mad that they were like, it's either Sebastian or nothing, that the show was just like, okay, then I guess we're not going to have the Mad Hatter in the... Gee, I wonder why that show didn't work. (laughs) Yes. Um, Naveen. Thank you for reading my mind. Naveen Naveen was in that. Mm -hmm. The amount of lost actors, I'm like, then Sebastian Stan also showed up for a second. I was like, was, should he, hmm. It's like, does that work the other way? I was like, is he here? But he, no. No. He was never in Lost. No. Unfortunately. Alas. All right, let's get started. Oh, Jen, what would you write in the sand? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. See, I was overambitious because I'm keeping to my answer that I discussed earlier. Do it. So throwing back and showing my age here, I would have written um, El Barto was here, but I realized I'd probably get to like El Bar and then be like, I'm too tired. Yeah. Yeah. So El Bar, I guess it'll say El Bar (laughs) and someone will see it and hope and hopefully they'll be like, hey, you're like, sure. That what does that mean? Yeah, That doesn't look right. Yeah, we should investigate. Let's investigate that. and yeah. possibly save someone. Yeah. So mine will say Elbar. Great. Love it. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 219 of Lost SOS. So SOS obviously is in the episode because that's what Bernard is trying to write in the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has always actually stood for save our souls. Mm. Which I feel like. That's so weird. Rihanna didn't teach me that. I know. Well, she said so. 
SOS, please. Someone, someone help, help me. me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're it's right. It's not healthy for me to feel this way, you know? Yeah. And so. then she kept spelling. Yeah. She and Fergie really taught me how to spell. Yeah. Yeah. And Gwen. Oh, always. Yeah. Oh. I still that's... hear it. I still hear it when yeah. I have to write it. I'm like, yeah, It's helpful. Thank you, three of you, for teaching us. Only you. You and only you. Frick all of all of my elementary school teachers. Y'all didn't mean anything. Uh, so the broadcast date of the episode was April 12th, 2006. It was written by Stephen Maida and Leonard Dick, and it was directed by Eric... I know I struggled last time. Mm-hmm. I know I struggled last time, yeah. and uh, uh, I'm going to do it again. So I think it's like La Neuville. It looks like it's... It looks French. French? Yeah. Adjacent. But um, he directed five episodes, including the other 48 days. Which oh, was which a is nice. Episode. Excellent episode. The best episode in this season, I would say. I With like a close second being the season finale. Yeah. So Agreed. Agreed. Psychologically, I, I don't know if this is like an unpopular opinion, but I think one of the darkest episodes the mm. show's ever done. Sure. You know? Yeah. So I've got some fun facts about the episode. Uh, it was one of two episodes named a three-letter abbreviation. The second one is in season three, but it's called... Uh, maybe I should, mm, I don't know. Um, and it was also the first episode to center around guest stars. So it was pretty cool. Um, and it's actually loosely based around L. Scott Caldwell's husband. It's a pretty sad story. And actually, I pulled out... a. Uh, bonus feature from this episode Mm -hmm. um, that I'm going to play and that we can all watch when she talks about her relationship with her husband and uh, it's it's really sad really sad yeah Uh, but yeah so we'll get there can't wait for the feels to hit yeah so now Brittany's going to recap the episode in she's going to try and do it in less than a minute but uh, lately that has just not been happening either way she's going to be sped up a little bit because we think it's funny I think that's going to happen yeah it's a little I'm showing them my notes and I promise you it's not a minute yeah that's okay we, we like listening to your little chipmunk voice. Mm. It's cute. You're the only one. <laughs> I do. That is literally not true. If I didn't do that, people would be, be mad. I have heard that from you before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People have said that to me. I enjoy your voice no matter what speed it's in. Thank you. Oh, so nice. Every one of you traders who said you enjoy the chipmunk voice, I will see you behind the alley. <laughs> okay, here we go. On the island, Bernard looks a gift horse in the mouth and wants to know where the Dharma food came from. Rose isn't into finding out the answer to that. Locke is determined to remember everything he saw on the blast door map. Jack reminds him to push the frickin' button, John. He bandages up Henry and tells him that he's gonna cross the boundary lines of the others to swap Walt for Henry. Henry says that they never will. Hurley won't take th- treats from Rose because he's on a diet. He gets drafted into helping Bernard build a super secret thing that Rose isn't a part of. And it gives Jack a gun and tells him to bring a buddy. He chooses Kate, which super hurts Sawyer's feelings. Bernard is building an SOS sign on the beach, and Rose isn't into that at all either. He tries to draft Echo and Charlie, but they're busy building a church and won't be in this episode for more than that one scene, so thanks. Locke is determined to get Anna to let him talk to Henry. She suggests he talk through the door. Locke needs to know if Henry pushed the button, but Henry is super evil and stays silent. Bernard loses his team by being a dictator and giving himself the easy job, which likes him. He and Rose argue, and he goes too far by implying that she wouldn't be alive without him. Jack and Kate banter and flirt and get stuck in a net, but free themselves with the power of their sexual tension. Jin, the last of Bernard's workers, bails when Bernard lashes out at him. Rose and Locke cryptically talk about being healed by the island. Kate and Jack reach the boundary, and Jack just yells a lot. Rose reveals to Bernard that the person they went to see didn't cure her cancer. The island did. They'll never leave the island again. In the flashbacks, Bernard helps Rose get her car unstuck from the snow. She asks him to coffee. Five months later, Bernard, like, proposes super fast while on a trip to Niagara Falls. Rose tells him she's sick. He's in it for the long haul, and she accepts his proposal. They visit Australia for their honeymoon. Rose thinks that they're lost in the outback, but they're really there to see a man Bernard paid to heal Rose's cancer. Rose is angry, but sees Isaac anyway. Isaac says he can't heal her, but that doesn't mean she can't be healed. At the airport, she sees Locke in a wheelchair and Locke sees her cancer meds. The end! Yay! I should have timed that because it was probably like two minutes. 
eh, I guess we'll find out when I'm editing. Anyway, the whole summary of this episode is Bernardo wants to do thing and Rose doesn't want to do the thing and in the end they don't do the thing. That's pretty valid. Yeah. 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 Could have saved myself a lot of time there. <laughs> cool. cool. Um, so the first storyline we're going to do is the Henry storyline and I also included the Jack and Kate storyline in there so they kind of they intermix and <gasps> intersect a bunch we so. haven't even talked to jen about ships in terms of oh sure skate, or oh. skate versus um yeah what what are you yeah. what are your ship allegiances well 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 oh no, no. <laughs> actually no okay I, I no you asked me about ships earlier i super did and then i said that my ships uh one of my main ships on the show were actually bernard and rose mm-hmm. which is the best answer possible. So this is actually so that you, the fact that you guys episode. chose me for this episode, I am very honored, and it was totes of props, as the kids <laughs> used to say. Fifteen-year-old uh, Jen was like a diehard skate fan. Same. It, it always changes on second watch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yes, if you ask me, when I first watched this, I was like skate all the way to the end of time, and my live journal icons <laughs> would have confirmed that also. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Mine's like same, but it was Juliet and Sawyer. I eventually had Juliet and Sawyer, but yeah, no. We probably used the same ones because like the most popular icon makers had like everyone used their icons. It's true. It's so true. So, Um, awesome. Yes. So I was skate, but then I became Sawyer and Juliet after, and then Jack and like a hug. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I hate Jack more than anything, but in episodes like this, I really enjoyed Jack. Because he's not doing anything annoying. It's not true. Really. Uh, so I am going to be doing what we usually do, which is I summarize the scene, then we chat about the scene, and so on and so forth. So uh, the first scene in the storyline. Locke is struggling to remember the blast door map and almost lets the countdown go all the way down to zero. Jack brings him back to reality and he presses the button. So the scenes this episode I found, uh, other than the flashbacks, are like pretty short. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my first question, would Locke have let it go down to zero or was he just distracted? Because like that's that's his big oh. question is did Henry, Henry press the button and so is this like I feel like every time it goes down to zero Locke is like this is the time I let it go I you feel know? like there's always the temptation he's like I just want to see what happens mm-hmm. I just want to exactly why are we still doing this fruitless is it fruitless yeah. um, endeavor so I remember yeah again in my first wa- uh, watch through I was like this is it this is mm-hmm. the moment and some major catastrophic thing's gonna happen and then they press the button. Um, and they don't do it. So, uh, but that, in my thought process, I definitely thought that he was doing it and was just like at the precipice of temptation yeah. and just mm-hmm. being like, let's just see what happens. What more could happen at this point? Mm-hmm. I think he would have panicked at the last second and done it. You know? I, I agree because I know that feeling when you are, you need to do something scary. Like you need to do it for yourself, mm-hmm. but it's scary. So you don't want to do it. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. And then one thing goes wrong and you're like, okay, next time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's always like, it has to be perfect for me to do it. And so he's like, okay, this is the time. Like, like I'm like, he's really, really frustrated in this moment because he's trying to remember the blast door map and it's not working. And so he's like, fine, like whatever. I don't even care. This is the time. And then of course Jack walks up and is just like, hello, you moron. Press the button. And Jack's like, and John's like, I guess it's just not, not this time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe next time, you know, that's like me at night, like reading fan fiction and being like, I'll just read one more chapter. Yeah. Just read one more chapter. Two hours later. three in the morning. Exactly. me every night so why does jack care is it just that the beeping is annoying i i kind of wonder if it's like reflex for because i mean Locke was so determined to get jack to push this button he was like this is the most important thing we're doing this season you and i are gonna fight about pushing a button for 22 episodes <laughs> yeah. 
And somehow I enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think at that point, Jack's like, I'm doing this for you. Yeah. Here's your button. Yeah. That's what I wonder. There's also, like, this weird sense of, well, it's all all we have control of right now. There's so many unknowns around us. Mm -hmm. And this one thing is something that we do have control of. So why wouldn't we do it? I feel like it's almost like a reflex at this point that Jack's like, of course we're doing it. Why wouldn't we do it? Mm -hmm. What else can we do? Um, So that's kind of my thought on that is that he's like, this is the one thing that I can do in this moment where I feel very powerless. And yeah. I mean, it's Hurley and his eating, right? Like totally a take control of one aspect. Mm-hmm. I also wonder if it Jack's like, even like logically is like, well, the last time someone else didn't push the button, Locke had his leg crushed. Right. So what if we press the freaking button? Yeah. Right. He's like, every time we don't press, press the button, something bad seems to happen. Yeah. So it's like, I don't feel like something bad happening. I'm lazy today, so... I got stuff to do. <laughs> Let's just press the button. I'm more focused on Walt right now. It's like nothing spontaneous can happen if we just press the button. Yeah. And, like, I'm tired. Yeah, it's maintaining the status quo for yeah. then. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have a, a slightly above-average day today. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go flirt with Kate for a bit, okay? Yeah. I want to get Walt back. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. So, one shot that I really liked in this scene was that they did, like, a frame within a frame but they did it through Locke's crutch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was a really cool shot. Well, it's such good symbolism too. Like mm-hmm. I was putting this up when we watched it the first time and then the second time also, I was like, oh, it's like, it's Locke's crutch and then Locke's crutch. Right. I wrote, yeah, using crutches, what is Locke's metaphorical crutch? And it's absolutely like the Pavlov's dog of that button. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Cool. I see what you did there, writers. <laughs> so clever. Jack goes into the armory to change the dressings on Henry's shoulder. Jack informs Henry that he's going to go back to the light em up clearing, <laughs> which is what I call it. Light em up, light em up. And try to trade Henry for Walt. Henry tells Jack that they will never give up Walt. I mean, at that point, I think Henry's just given up seeming like uh, he doesn't know things. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot of things. Boy, I would love to know what else he knows. Mm-hmm. Yes, many things. Uh, it looks like Anna is looking at a book of maps. Okay, okay. Thanks, Anna. Getting lay of the land. I'm like, there's a bunch of fiction in there, but you want to look at math. I mean, okay. But that makes perfect sense for her. She doesn't want to waste time with, like, fiction. She needs to know things now. She's like, I want to know about Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I guess. So, uh, Henry is doing a hunger strike and the silent treatment. Okay, weirdo. What does he, what is he trying to accomplish? I think he's just trying to confuse them. He's trying to throw them off and freak them out a little bit, which I would say is super effective. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's genuinely just trying to torture Locke. Mm-hmm, totally. And yeah, that um, is a successful endeavor. Yeah. It's like, but you can't do a hun- hunger strike forever. You know what I mean? No. So it's like, what is he thinking is like finally going to happen so that he, like, is he waiting for somebody to come break him out or? I think because it's him mm-hmm. and we've gotten to know like how manipulative he is so far, I think he's waiting to see what happens. Okay. But like, I'm not going to eat for now because I kind of want to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like him, he's so observational that he just wants to see who's going to react, who's going to crack, who's going to... Exactly. You know, I know this isn't going to last forever because one of these people is going to get driven up the wall by me being a creepy-ass mofo. So yeah. I'm just going to do that and see what happens. Yeah, I wonder if he's like, I'm just going to make everything, like, continue... To be the same because I have I know the number of every single person who's come in here 
so far and eventually they're going to start giving me new people because because nothing is working exactly you know what i mean so maybe he's like trying to learn more about each person and who's going to be sympathetic who can he manipulate next Mm -hmm. like who who's going to show themselves as being like you need to eat sort of thing Mm -hmm. right like uh saeed almost full-on killed him yeah, so I don't think it's going to be Saeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Anna is the one who him. saved him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna right now is like... Looking good. But like, I think even then Henry knows he cannot mess with Anna. Yeah. Like Anna's like, even though she's sympathetic, she's also like stone cold. Yeah. She's like, she's a a resource, but she's not like the resource. Yeah. She's, she's not like, I guess if we always go back to like the chess analogy with like Locke and Jack, like at that point, like Locke is the queen. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to get locked. Yeah. And he was so close back in lockdown. Yeah. And yikes. Uh, something not great happened. But I'm just I'm just thinking that Henry's sitting there being like, when are you going to bring me Hurley? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for Hurley. He's like, yeah, I want that one because I know that he is easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Where's Charlie? I can manipulate him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Jack mentions that he was never that good at bedside manner. Um, no kidding. Shocking. Uh, yeah. I like how he's like, I I was never good at bedside manner and I didn't even really enjoy doing bedside manner. So uh, it's truly a great opportunity for me to just rip this off of your shoulder because I don't need to do bedside manner and this is fun for me. I mean, that's definitely the kind of doctor that like Jack should be though. Someone who just gets the job done, but doesn't coddle people. Right. So my next question was, what does it say about Jack that he's still treating his shoulder when he knows he's one of the others? He took the Hippocratic Oath. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's in, exactly. Yeah. He upholds those moral standards. So Henry, I was thinking about something you were saying before we found out who you are. Yeah. You were saying that if you were one of them, that you'd lead us into a trap. Capture our people, force a trade, us for you. It's a pretty good idea, Henry. And since you are one of them, I thought now might be a good time to use it. I'm going out to the line that we're not supposed to cross and telling them that we've got you. And if they want you back, it's gonna cost them and when we get Walt back, you might just have been worth all the trouble. <laughs> Did you say something? They'll never give you Walt. Why is Jack telling Henry the, his plan? Because he thinks that Henry can help him. You think? Yeah, for sure. If he can if he can read anything on Henry's face, he can find out whether or not that was a good idea. Oh, I see. You're not saying that Henry would like actively be like, no. "Oh, good plan. Let me help." Wait, can you imagine? Well, I mean, like <laughs> if I if I was Henry, which I am not, but I if he was like, "I want to trade you for Walt," I'd be like, "Great," because I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, right. Can I go home? Like, is that what? The, I don't think that's what Jack assumes that Henry's going to do, but I see what you mean, that he's, like, somehow going to find some information. From but, I mean, Tom. you also gotta wonder if Henry, like, he wondered if Henry would, like, break character and be like, yeah, you can do that. Mm. It's, oh. To me, it's like they were playing poker, mm. and he's trying to look for tells. He's trying to see, like, how bad is this guy's poker face, or how good is his poker face? Exactly. What is he gonna, like, is he gonna, like, flinch or react as soon as he, like, divulges something? So it's just kind of like a back and forth, whether we use chess or poker as an analogy, I guess. It's exactly. Just a- gotcha. Does Henry regret being such a pain in the ass before and giving him the idea 
of the trade. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like in the in the Got Any Milk scene, he's the one who basically gave Jack the idea. Do you think he regrets giving him that idea? I think Henry has so many regrets at this point. <laughs> I mean, the man hasn't showered in weeks at this point. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. He's been locked in a bunker, shot at, mm-hmm. yelled at, almost tortured. Almost killed. Climbed through really dirty ducks. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot going on in his life that I think he maybe doesn't um want to continue. And yet he's learning so much about these people. Yeah. So maybe, does it's he think it. it's worth it? Yeah. Probably. Right? Maybe. Interesting. Like, like any good mastermind. Mm-hmm. Anna's not so sure about Jack's plan. She offers to go with him, but Jack wants her to stay and keep Locke in check. She gives him her gun. And that's that scene. Um, okay, so why does Anna need to stay? Like, Jack gives her the uh, thing that it's like to watch Locke. Is it because Locke can't walk right now and they need somebody who's like on all cylinders? Or is it because Locke is kind of a loose cannon right now? I 100% think it's because he needed someone who he knew could say no to Locke. Right. 100%. He doesn't trust Locke to be left alone. Um, And it's like you said earlier, Anna has that kind of sympathetic note but is still stone cold. Yeah. So he knew that she would be able to hold down the fort while he was gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, like, a perfect, like, in a perfect world, she would be the leader, but she's also a perfect second-in-command for Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, maybe she doesn't agree with? No, I would never, like, say that to her face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like, like, never be like, you're the second-in-command, because she'd be like, yeah. you know? Uh, but then she tells him not to go alone. So she offers to go with him, but he says that he, that she has to stay, but then he goes to ask Kate, because... I guess my question is like, is he letting Anna stay there because it's convenient because she's already there? Or like in another world, if Saeed was there, would he go and ask Anna to come with him instead of Kate? Oh. You know what I mean? Like, cause he, he isn't planning on going alone. He's right. going to go with somebody. I, does that question make sense? No, it makes sense and it makes me sad. Okay, tell Because me it more. once again, like, kind of exposes how little Jack thinks of Kate in mm-hmm. terms of, like, leadership. Yeah. 100%. It was, like, it's just circumstantial, really. Like, oh, you're the one that's there or not there. I guess I'm gonna exactly. go with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the others didn't want to kidnap you, so guess we're both unwanted. And I'm like... Right, yeah. He does say that, like, he specifically asked Kate because he knows that the others don't want him. And, but, and I don't know if Jack knows this, but the others clearly don't want Anna Lucia either because they had 48 days to take Anna Lucia and she was never on the list. Oh, good point. Right? Fair point. But again, she was already there. So it was convenient for him to just be like, stay here. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to get someone else to take your place. Exactly. Come with me. <laughs> yeah. For the purposes of this. She's like, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. And he's like, Kate? Kate. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Kate and Sawyer are trying to scavenge some seafood <laughs> when Jack walks up. He invites Kate, specifically not Sawyer, to go with him. <laughs> sure does. This is the funniest scene. Sawyer's feelings, like, literally when Jack is like, no, he looks so hurt. He's like, oh. Why he was not? so distraught. He's like, well, why not me, cowboy? He's usually pretty helpful on, like, treks like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, of course, when we learn later when Jack says to Kate, it's because the others Didn't don't, want you. don't want Kate, specifically. Sawyer says that Kate... Caught four in the last half hour. That's like not bad. Four. <gasps> oh, that's a number. Yeah, <laughs> tis oh. a number. Every time she stops and like kind of looks at me, I know that she's waiting me for me to figure something out. But it's me, so it takes a minute. Yeah, it's a fun little bit we do. <laughs> Just one of the numbers. I got it. Yay! 
Um, and then Sawyer calls Jack Dr. Giggles, the main character from this 1992 slasher movie. <laughs> slasher movie. Dr. Giggles is a psychopath who escapes from a mental institution to exact revenge on the town where his mass-murdering doctor father was captured. That just sounds like a bad ripoff of Halloween. Yeah, but like Dr. Father? His father who was a doctor or his, his name Dr. Father? No, his father who was a doctor. Did Sawyer know? Okay, so... Oh! Yeah. Oh! Yeah, so Sawyer does know that his father was also a doctor because of what happened in Outlaws. And he did tell Jack at the end of season one about meeting his father in Outlaws. Right, right. So not only is Dr. Giggles really funny because Jack is a doctor and he does not giggle, but but it's also very nuanced. (laughs) Imagine Jack giggling. (laughs) But you really got to hand it to Sawyer, like, you know, laying in his little tent at night thinking of these nicknames. He Mm -hmm. has to, right? That are very profound and deep and have, like, great, like... And he can't Google anything. Right. So there's, like, thought was put into all of these. Yeah. Every, every little reference, you're like, oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Do you think he keeps, like, a notebook full of, like, lines I've already used and then ideas I have Check. yet to use? Maybe. I oh, would love that. Already called him that last Tuesday. Exactly! Yeah. Like, like that's the only place Jumbotron could have come from for Hurley. <laughs> Which is honestly too bad if that's true, because, like, Haas to seven different people, Sawyer. Yeah. But. Well, maybe that's his version of y'all. Or, like, dude. Yeah, that's his gender-neutral term, is Haas. Haas. <laughs> Why does that feel so right for him? <laughs> so, not only is Sawyer, like, a little sad because he's not actually being invited, but also he's confused because Sawyer is supposed to have all, all the, the guns. guns. Mm-hmm. Like, like Jack won back all of the medicine a few weeks ago. But he right. did not win back guns. Uh, it's a few days ago in in lost, lost time, time. Yeah. but uh, for us it was like many weeks ago. So a few episodes ago, I guess is what I would say. He got, won all the medicine, but Sawyer said, "Why didn't you ask for the guns?" And Jack said, and I quote, "When I want the guns, I'll, I'll get it. the guns." Yep. So um, <laughs> Sawyer is supposed to have all the guns, so he's a little confused as to why he doesn't have all the guns. But I think this is the Taylor gun, as far as I like, if I can remember. I mean, it came from Anna. It was from Anna, right? Yeah, yeah, like Anna had it, but then it's like the gun continuity is good on this show because I know there was a person who was actually in charge of gun continuity, but I just don't remember. Because we do these, like, month by month, Mm -hmm. so it's, like, hard to remember. But I think it's the gun that Anna had just, like, the whole time with the Tailies. Wait, so is that the gun that she shot Shannon with? Ooh. Yes. But then why, like, why was that one taken out of the... This does make sense with the show. I just don't think I remember the details right now. Okay. So, either way, Sawyer does not have this gun and he's confused because he's supposed to have all the guns. I still maintain that one of the best plots Jack ever had was playing, like, the episode where he did nothing, but what, what they were playing poker, right? Yeah. But play poker with Sawyer. Mm-hmm. All they did the whole episode was play poker. It was a great episode. Yeah. For the peaceful time. Tr- yeah, truly iconic. <laughs> yeah. So, he's not inviting Sawyer, he's inviting Kate, and I think this might be answered later in the episode, but is he trying to make up for lying to her so much recently? 100%. Because, like, later she even says, like, I was gonna tell you when you decided to let me back in the club. Right. This was his little olive branch attempt. I guess yes! so. And then they got stuck in a tree. Mm-hmm. And there was sexual tension. So I think he's officially forgiven her. Or let her back in the club, even though she didn't need forgiving. I don't even really know. I feel like there was a lot of talk about this um, at the end of lockdown, especially with when, with our guest, which was Selena. And she's, like, a hardcore Jade shipper. And so, like, this was, like a huge it was like a huge episode for Jade which is exciting to have her on for um and we talked about like 
Kate coming up and saying that she was glad that Jack beat Sawyer and like this whole conversation about like her trying to get back into his good graces and him trying to get back into hers because he keeps lying to her. He's kind of treats her like crap. You know, so to be honest, yeah, these early seasons, like Jack's attitude towards Kate makes me wonder, like, obviously like no judgment if you do ship it, but it does make me wonder like, what about that seemed romantic back then? How did that dynamic appeal to you? Mm -hmm. But of course, like in the early two thousands, like, Especially, I, I don't know if, like, you feel this way, but, like, especially when we were growing up, we were, were taught that, like, bullying was, like, mm-hmm. a guy likes you if he's mean to you. Right. And that allowed men to get away with the behavior that they still get away with now. So it kind of makes me wonder, like, oh, people see this as romance because we've been told that this is romance. The more you hate, the more you love. Exactly. Like, the more protective you are over someone, the more romantic it is. And it really, it's just completely invalidating. Totally. Which is weird because... Everybody says that the skate relationship in the early seasons is uh, more toxic. It is than, toxic than Jake. Mm-hmm. And if you take out the obviously really horrible scene in which he basically coerces her into kissing him, yeah. Um, it, but if you ignore that, and I understand that you can't ignore that because it's definitely part of it. But if you take that out, he he doesn't bully Kate. Like he literally like he's teasing her playfully, but like she also thinks it's funny, and she like you know like they yeah. they have more banter. And she has more, like, actual conflict with Jack, I feel like. Well, here's the thing. Sawyer is more overtly misogynist. Mm-hmm. Like, he's more overtly sexist. Like, he's very upfront about being that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jax is more insidious. Like, Jack is the... And I, I mean, I'm not saying this as a slight to Jack. This is just, like, what was ingrained in, like, most men, which is... Jack is the nice guy. Right. So he's going to stop you from doing things for your own good. Right. He's going to control what you do because he thinks that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, like, of course, now we all know, like, that's not how it's supposed to be. But I think that was, like, the huge difference between them is, like, yeah, Jack still did those things. It's just Sawyer was more honest about it. Mm -hmm. Sawyer seemed to treat her, again, these are all, like, arguably and kind of, like, you know, looking back. But Sawyer almost treated her... Like, they were equals, in a way. Yeah. Whereas Jack was very much, whether, you know, not necessarily deliberately, but it was very much like a condescending Mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm smarter and I know what's best for you. Kate was on a pedestal. Totally. Whereas Sawyer was like, you're garbage, I'm garbage. Let's be garbage together. garbage? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I agree, which is funny because, like, Jack putting her up on a pedestal when she has herself, when, when she thinks of her like if you think of it as like levels jack puts her on a pedestal sawyer puts her on the ground and kate puts herself in like a hole exactly 100 percent. and kate's the only judgment i trust there she's like i'm the only person who knows who i am Locke wants to talk to henry but since anna gave jack her gun they have to keep the door closed Locke asks henry through the door if he pushed the button henry doesn't answer oh this one scene means everything to me because it's like we keep having confirmation that he's one, not who he says he is, and two, a bad dude. And that smile is just like, you are so deliciously evil and I love you so much. The the creep the creep energy is high. Yeah. Michael Emerson is a revelation. What an excellent actor. I will maintain that into my dying breath. Like, especially after seeing how different he was in person of interest. I'm just yes. like, you're so good. Such an excellent actor. And just, yeah, I remember... The very first time I watched this episode, back when it first aired, I got full-on heebie-jeebies, like, yeah. yes. holy smokes. Oh, it's like, an iconic shot, oh. for sure. Like, it, it just, it's so evil. 
like that one smile is just so evil and it's not overstated and it's not like a mustache twirl it's just like mm-hmm. he's doing it to himself and for him because yeah he knows that no one can see exactly. him exactly yeah it's it's totally like self-serving like it's how so good oh how yeah how good he feels about how he's playing this game and how he's playing all of them oh I yeah I've brought this up before on on uh, uh, this podcast even but I think it is relevant is like we've talked about how when you're having a conversation with somebody and they and you can't see each other I feel like the conversation is more interesting to watch Um, so for example like the reason why we I kind of brought it up last time was because we had just recently watched Stranger Things season three and I found that all of the really important Steve and Robin scenes they were never looking at each other like they were either tied together looking the opposite way or they were in separate Mm -hmm. stalls totally um and i i love those scenes because like i think it means more to see like when you're having a conversation with somebody it means more to see your face when you know that the person who you're talking to can't see you yeah you know it shows more of what you're actually feeling rather than what you're like way more honest It encourages an emotional intimacy between the two people with their words and between the audience and the character yeah. visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that's why I love like this is it's just like he's not saying anything and literally no one else is in there. We are genuinely seeing him without his like it's the mask is off. The mask is off. Yeah, like there's nothing. Yeah. I don't remember if this is one of if this is the first or just one of the first times that we genuinely see him when he's alone. Yeah, as he is, yeah. Where it's like, he's not being performative for anybody. It's literally just like this, like, that's him. Yeah. You know, and it's like very raw because you're like, I don't even know this man. He's filled with mystery. And it's like, what can I grab from just this one moment? Because I know for a fact that this is the truth. Yeah. You know? And like, I think Michael Emerson not only knew that but chose to like communicate that Mm -hmm. which is just like that one look which is just yeah i'm enjoying myself this is what i wanted and sort of like you john i've always found that look to be like so like empty behind the eyes which makes it even more terrifying absolutely it's It's so so good good. (laughs) everyone's like why are you talking about this one shot i'm like no you don't understand it's it's everything (laughs) it's everything so um going to the beginning of the scene i i think that this scene is actually the perfect example as to why Anna was a good person to choose to stay behind. Because if Locke was here by himself, like, I mean, it's clear that he doesn't actually know what the what the combination is. So, like, either they would just be like, good luck, John. Hope nothing bad happens. You don't know how to open it either way. Or they would have to tell him the combination, in which case he would go in no matter what. Or he would do something drastic. Yeah, but, yeah. like... For example, like I said before, if Hurley had been in there and Locke had said, I want to talk to him, and Hurley would have been like, well, Jack told me not to open it because we don't have the gun, and Locke would have been like, manipulate, manipulate, and Hurley would have been like, okay, go inside, I'll make sure he doesn't come out. Like, Anna is a good person to have because she's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But she's also a good person to have because she thinks outside the box, Mm -hmm. which is... Like, if you want to talk to him, talk to him. You can still talk to him. Oh, duh. He did say he can hear everything that goes on outside here. Why wouldn't you just talk through the friggin' door? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, no gun, no talking. Um, It's like he needs to talk because he can't remember the map. Like, he needs to put his brain somewhere else because he's, like, frustrated about the map. And he's like, okay, but I have two questions. I have questions about this map. And I also have the questions about the button. And I can't do this right now. So I guess I'm going to do this. But I also can't even do this because this guy won't answer me. Exactly. (laughs) So he's just having a hard time. So I guess he starts. So then he goes for a walk. (laughs) And he goes and looks at the ocean for a while. And really, he makes a new friend. 
Yeah, they don't really talk. It might be like one of the first uh, scenes with him and Rose Between, for sure. Yeah, he That's and Rose. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a great reveal at the end. Yeah, sure is. Top notch. Anna is building something. I don't know what she's building. I can't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it on the transcript. I couldn't find it on Lostpedia. I don't know what she's building, but she's building something. I think she just picked something up and was like, I'm going to tinker with this for a while. I need yeah. somewhere to put this like pent up energy. Yeah, like I like all of the Anna content because like they like to do the thing where they put uh, a little hint for the next episode right. in the previous episode. So all this Anna content is good because next episode is an Anna Lucia episode. Mm hmm. So I wonder if it's gonna, if the thing she built is gonna be in next episode. I don't remember. So I guess we'll find out. We will find out. Yeah. I found that the music is very Beach Boys. Uh, hey. Like very beachy. You know? Uh, sure. I have thoughts on the Beach Boys in the spoiler section. And just in general, really. Yeah. <laughs> Good thoughts. Which is that they... She likes the Beach Boys. I like the Beach Boys, and they but they play their uh, music a little too loud at the Disney World parks, water parks. But they didn't want to, we were at Blizzard Beach, they didn't really. Uh, we went to Typhoon Lagoon. My bad. And uh, yeah, when I went in 2014, they were playing Beach Boys just like very, very loudly. And then I told everyone when we went in September that just so you guys know, like they're going to play the Beach Boys very, very loudly. <laughs> and then they didn't. <laughs> I was like, so, the entire time I was walking around, I'm like, I haven't heard the Beach Boys once. Waiting for it, waiting for it. Literally. It's like Disney's yelling at you, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? I'm telling you it's nice. God only knows. Good vibration. I'm just saying the title now. And so Locke is asking him, did he press the button? And I have spoiler thoughts on that just because I know whether or not he pressed the button. Mm -hmm. But I cannot say just now. Yeah. But of course, this is exactly what Henry wants. He wants Locke to go crazy. And there are many instances in the series in which Henry says something to Locke and then Locke goes and just starts freaking out about it. And then Henry like sits there being like, ha 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 ha. It's like, it's like two siblings and one is smarter than the other. Yeah. So they know how to get the other one in trouble and mm -hmm. then just sit back and watch the destruction, aka... I'm Henry and my sister is Locke. It's Drag the same her. thing. It's just antagonization for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Exactly. That's literally Henry in a nutshell. Yeah. Kate says thanks for choosing her. Jack tells her that he already asked Saeed and points out. <laughs> Any opportunity to need to Kate. Yeah. And points out that the others must not want them since they had the opportunity and didn't take it. Kate picks up a doll and she and Jack get caught in the net, which is not a euphemism. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that would be a euphemism for. Well, um, uh, they use it as a euphemism like two times in this, like later. Like, do they? Yeah, Kate says, oh, me and Jack got caught in a net and Sawyer's like, winkity wink, got it. Swear. And then later I think Jack is like, oh yeah, me and Kate got caught in a net a bit. And Sawyer was like, oh, that, w oh, actually? Like you literally did? Oops. Everything didn't is think euphemism that's what, Sawyer though. Yeah, that's I didn't true. think that's what that meant. So... My question was, why did Saeed say no? Did he really ask him? I don't think that Saeed would have said no, and therefore I don't think he really asked him. Oh, <gasps> I didn't even think about that. Oh, I totally thought of that. Oh, you did? 100%. Oh my god, okay, okay, okay. I was okay. like, Jack just threw that in there just to make Kate feel like, ugh. Bad. Feel yes. bad. I hate it, thanks. Yeah. So much for being a capital N, capital G nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like... I, I can't tell, and maybe Jack just, like, doesn't have social cues. He doesn't. And, like, doesn't he doesn't. Because, like, it seemed like he was trying to be like, oh, well, I didn't, you weren't my first choice, ha, ha, ha. And, like, he meant for it to kind of her be like, ha, ha, yes, I was. But instead she was like, oh, okay. Yep. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Jack. 
I'm flattered. Yeah, why is that? Because he chose me to go with you instead of Sawyer. I asked Saeed first, but he turned me down. And I only asked you because they don't want you. They grabbed you, had you at gunpoint. They could have kept you, but they didn't. Then again, they didn't really want me either. Damaged goods. Both of us. So he mentions that uh, he chose her because they clearly, the others that, that is, don't want either of them. Damaged goods. I guess so. Apparently. Apparently. Which, like, at this point, who isn't? Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, the only, yeah. per the only person. The point of the island. The only person who wasn't damaged goods, they already have him. Yeah. They're like, hey, we found the one pure one. He's a child. Yeah. Not true. Let's keep it. There's Vincent. <gasps> true. They're like, alas, but. You got me there. There's a dog. They're like, well, we have to leave them something. Yeah. Just saying. So is Jack trying to tell us that. The others want Sawyer? Are you trying to tell me that a chicken fried this rice? <laughs> I have. The zoomies now. Or is it really just like because he would rather have Kate there? I think two things can be true. Mm. Yes. Not I mutually think he, exclusive. Yeah, yeah. I do think he wanted Kate there though. Yeah. He was like, hey, I've been a jerk to her for long enough. Time to throw her a bone. Mm -hmm. And then simultaneously still be a jerk to her while I'm throwing said bone. Yeah, build yeah. her up, but also rip her down. Mm -hmm. I... I was confused, like, because obviously sometimes, like, when you're writing something and you need something to happen, like, somebody has to grab, like Brittany always says, the idiot ball, mm -hmm. in which you have to be like, well, that character isn't usually this stupid, but for now they have to be for the sake of the narrative. Yeah. And so Kate goes, oh, look, a doll. Like, on that island, a doll is the least weird thing that they found there. There was a polar bear at one time. Yeah. True enough. <laughs> She's like, what? But I think this is the same net not necessarily the same net but the same type of trap that henry was caught in by danielle oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. so wow good thing he uh didn't have a gun that time but henry isn't stupid enough to just like pick up something either right so that's another tick for the he, he got, got caught, caught on purpose, purpose. yeah box that was a choice yeah everything he does is a freaking choice like he's he's the grand master <laughs> True. Kate gets the gun from Jack's pocket and tries to shoot the rope, but she misses. Jack tries it and gets it. They're free now. I was a little annoyed that Jack ended up getting it. Same! Yeah. Like, I'm like, Kate has said that she, like, went hunting with her dad and that, like, she's a tracker and everything. Jack, in what world do you ha have a better shot than Kate? You know Excuse what I mean? Me. He plays golf. Yeah. He's like, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor and I play golf. I have great aim. Shut Except up. when you did that spinal surgery that one time. Oh, angel hair pasta, remember? I did think that Jack was pretty funny when, when she he was like, oh, so you can hear me. Oh, yeah, that was really was good. Like, all right, that, all right, you can have that one. The bants were pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'll give them Quality bants. bants. Yeah. Kate says that the trap is not sophisticated enough to be the others, so, like, just drag Danielle, I guess. But, like, at the same time... Again, another reason that she's such a good asset on, mm -hmm. like, a trick. She knows these things. She's like, wow, I got caught in this trap, and it's not even sophisticated. <laughs> yes. like, oh, this is just embarrassing. Paco. And she's with the boy she likes. Ooh. Oh, so embarrassing. So awkward. Totes awkward. But they say it could be a week before Danielle comes back, so we kind of need to get out of this trap. Uh, oh, and I think I mentioned this already, but, like, why would Jack know how to shoot other than, like, the practice he's gotten in, like, the two months he's been here? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kate grew up hunting, annoying that Jack ends up getting it. That's what I had for the scene. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, other than they flirt weird. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Locke is sitting on the beach when Rose walks up. Locke is pouting about how long it's going to take him to heal. Rose reminds him that this island is special and that it won't take that long. I love this scene so much. We had thoughts on this scene when we were watching it, rewatching it today. We sure did. All of it, like, most of the apartment was kind of like just sitting watching. And I think all of us were kind of debate why this scene works so well with exposition versus, do not laugh, versus a show like Riverdale, <laughs> where when they give exposition, <laughs> feels like um this is a scene about exposition mm -hmm. and here is all the details that we need to know like what was the difference and one of the things we determined was actually just like i mean absolutely no shade to the actors at riverdale they're great but you know they're really young it was the caliber of the actors in the scene absolutely yeah yeah uh so uh, at the time that we're recording this, an episode recently came out of Riverdale in which, like, we just, like, it maybe not even isn't, it isn't really honed in on that one episode even because they do this, like, quite a lot. But they have scenes in which, like, Archie and Veronica's storylines are separate. And then at the end of the episode, they come together and they talk about their storylines. And it's like, I've already seen it. I watched it this episode. Like, it would make more sense if it was, like, remember last episode when this happened? And I'd be like, like recap. it's like a recap, but this right. is like exposition that I literally just watched. Yeah, like you know I just I mean? watched this. Why are you doing this? I love Riverdale with my whole heart, but like scenes like that, I'm just like, cool. So can I go to the bathroom for this one? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was thinking like, and then even they would have a Bughead scene afterwards in which they're talking on the phone and Jughead would be like, this is what happened in my storyline. This is how I'm feeling about it, which is different because it's not just like, this is what happened. It's like, this is how Emotional I feel. intimacy there. These are the yeah. questions I right. have about it, which is great. It's like, I probably could have figured that out myself as somebody who, who looks at this show critically, but not everybody does that. So like, that's fine. But this scene is like kind of a similar thing, but it's also different. Like Jughead is saying, I'm confused about this. This is what I think are the questions that I have about it. And maybe I will try and learn that. But like Rose and Locke are having like a conversation about like their two separate storylines, but they're on another plane, but field. it's on a completely yeah. different. They're on what you might call another island. <laughs> You know, but in, in actual seriousness, I think it's that there's a subtext here, which is like, they don't think their audience is stupid. Mm. Like they're not saying they need to go over every detail of each other's plots in order to like speak this dialogue. They don't have like, to spell it out. Exactly. They're like, there's an understanding here that we both know what we're talking about and the audience knows what we're talking about. So let's have this conversation that has a couple levels to mm -hmm. it and you can read as deeply into it as you want. And that's like, that's just more intricate writing than you're going to get on a CW show. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's what I like about Lost. Like when I mentioned earlier, watching it when I was 15 versus watching it now that I'm 30 is you can watch this episode or this entire series and be entertained and have a good time. But when you watch it back with a more critical mind and you see the nuance and the subtleties in the writing, in the yeah. way um, Tara Quinn and L. Scott Caldwell act... There's so much more than just the dialogue. There's yeah. how they're looking at each other. I'm a big fan of people who are able to act with just like expression and their yeah. eyes. And so much of that is happening in this little scene. It's, it's gorgeous. It's so well acted. So absolutely. You can see that the caliber of writing here is just, again, not that I'm dissing a show that I don't watch that you guys enjoy. Oh, no, you yeah. can diss it. It's okay. <laughs> No one said it was a good show. We love it, but it's not a good show. It's not a good show, and it, it and it it would be sad if it didn't know that it was not about not a good show. But it, it knows. It knows. It's aware. It knows what it's doing. Yeah. So 
But different shows are, exist for different reasons. Exactly. And have different demographics and appeal to different audiences. And so, you know, you can watch Riverdale and enjoy it for what it is and still recognize that it has heavy-handed, like, okay, I guess we're spelling this out yeah. harshly for people in case they weren't following along the first 27 minutes. Exactly. But then you get um, other shows that require a little bit more... Sophistication. Thought. And yeah. Yeah. Thoughts. And Lost, I think, is just like an incredibly sophisticated show that is still accessible. Whereas totally. it doesn't have the pretentiousness that something like Breaking Breaking Bad does. Agreed. Like, Breaking Bad was like, no offense, but Breaking Bad was super up its own ass. And like, you know, so it was Mad Men to a degree where like they were like, we know that we're prestige shows, and so we're going to play into that to the degree where it's obnoxious. <laughs> Whereas I don't think Lost ever lost sight of the fact that it's a show, it's a supernatural show about people who crash landed on an island. Like, yeah. it's gonna be that. There's gonna be twists and turns, but there's gonna be polar bears, smoke monsters, men crying in the rain, you know, just a lot of things. Yeah. But it, it always knew what it was, and so it let those actors, like, explore these amazing emotions, but they never had to, like, have, like, these long, tense silences where no one says anything, but it means everything. And it's yeah, like, totally. shut up. I gotta say, when you said men crying in the rain, I was like, the amount of men who cry in the rain on this show that I can list is, like, There's pretty a lot of Pretty substantial. Yeah. yeah. Which, for then, was actually pretty revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, for sure. I really loved the moment in which um, Rose is like, you're in my spot because, like, of course, at the beginning of season one, she, like, sat there, like, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you sure did. Um, and then he said, I can move. And she goes, can you? And he's like, ha ha, <laughs> I'm on crutches. Which was, you like, did there. Especially, like, after the reveal, it's just like, Rose, uh Ouch. Yeah. But that Soft one spot. line indicated their kindred spirits. Yeah. Like, it took one line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Then they started talking about how Bernard has no actual hope of success, mm -hmm. which I thought was like kind of weird considering, and, and I'm going to say this multiple times in the episode and we're not even really there yet, but I'm totally, and I think we're all on the same page, totally on team Bernard on the island storyline and team Rose on the flashback storyline. Yes. Right. So I, I find it weird that Rose is like, oh, he's, it's a fool's errand. It's not going to work. When Bernard has the point that like the pallet had parachutes on it. There are planes yeah. going over here. So like, I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think there's like an element there of it's a fool's errand because she wants it to be a fool's yeah, errand. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And Locke says that most people don't know the difference between a regular errand and a fool's errand. Um, and then I thought, like, until it's over, usually. And I was like, Locke, have you looked in the mirror lately? Yeah. Because this whole button and Henry thing? Yeah. <laughs> Boo-boo the fool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pot calling kettle black. <laughs> exactly! I saw your husband walking through the jungle, hauling rocks. He's building a big sign in the sand so the satellites will see it. That man doesn't know the difference between an errand and a fool's errand. Well, Rose, most of us don't. So what are you doing down here, John? Can't remember the last time I saw you out of that hatch. I'm done with the hatch. Oh, now you're just frustrated. You'll be out of that splint and running around the island again in no time. And yet, Jack said it'd be at least four weeks. But honey, you and I both know it's not gonna take that long. 
they both know that it's not actually going to take four weeks to heal. And at that point, you're like, what, what? does that mean? Like, I know that, but how do you know that? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, maybe Locke probably could have figured that out. But at this point, we don't know why Rose yeah, would know that. would know that. Because I believe... Oh, at this point, we do... Like, in the actual episode, at this point, we do know that she has... That she had cancer, but uh, this scene is right before the Isaac of Uluru scene. Yeah. Right. So um, still, even after the next scene, we're not exactly sure what she means by that. But I think the thing that I was thinking about with this show that I actually really liked is like a lot of times when you see like an older black woman on television, she's always like an all-knowing like character, right? right? And in this, in which is this even show, sorry, which is even Elscott Caldwell's character in Sabrina. Exactly, like she's <laughs> there's always like the all knowing like older black woman, and they don't have any other roles. It's like it's that. Yeah. And with this, they took that and turned it on its head because it's it's not that she's all knowing; it's that she's actually achieved inner peace. Mm, right. She has found she has achieved her goal. She's been through hell, and she's where she wants to be now. And she's not all knowing; she's just at peace. And I think that's really cool, especially you see it in this scene. Which is like Locke's kind of looking at her like, how do you know these things? And you get to the end of the episode, and it's like, no, she literally knows these things. She has the receipts. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you saying that because when you look at Rose, especially in the first two seasons, she comes off as exactly. the all-knowing right. elderly black woman. Like like the, the stereotype, but she has so many layers. She's yeah. so nuanced. But I think that's the thing that like Lost always did really well is present something as a stereotype and then dig around in it. Mm-hmm. Like Saeed, for example, is the perfect like Example of that, which is, oh, like, here's, like, you know, like, the terrorist, which is, you know, always what Sawyer says. And, of Mm -hmm. course, it's far more complicated than Mm -hmm. that. And he's he's a good man. So I I just love that Lost, like, I don't know how they did it either, because I'm pretty sure there were, like, no people of color on that writing team. But they still pulled it off? Well, yeah, they had Christina, but she was mostly there for uh, the sudden gin stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'm, oh, you know what? They did have Javi. Oh, like, yes. They didn't have people who were, like, really versed in these tropes or in these stereotypes. So it kind of goes to show, like, if, if people want to achieve, like, a, like a more, I guess, woke storyline, they can. Which it is possible. Yeah. Which makes other writers look bad because it's like, okay, you guys did this because you were lazy. Mm, 100%. Right. So Kate tells Jack about the staff and the costume pieces they found there. Jack is upset that she didn't tell him sooner. Why should Kate confide in Jack when Jack won't confide in Kate? She has a point. What did you mean back there? What? In the net. You said they were sophisticated, the others. Uh. Uh, last week. Baby got sick. Claire and I went into the jungle and uh, found another hatch. What? Like a medical station. There's nothing you can use. It was all cleared out, but I have some lockers. They had clothes inside, all worn and dirty. And they're on hangers, like like costumes, you know. And there was a makeup kit and a fake beard. When were you going to tell me this? When you decided to let me back in the club. They get to the clearing and Jack starts shouting at nothing. The others don't answer. You know, I'm shocked that they didn't answer. Who wouldn't want to be screamed at like that, right? (laughs) So she tells him about the staff and that they went there, which of course was the episode of Mothers and Women. So of course Jack was like, what? I'm not, I've never been here I can't hear anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not part of this. I'm dead. Uh, And then she mentions the fake beard. And of course... One thing that I also like about Lost that is hard, especially for shows like 
Stranger Things. And of course, Stranger Things does this on purpose and it's like part of like their, their plot and everything. But like with Stranger Things, you have like usually three, the three separate um, storylines. You've got the adults, the teenagers and the kids. Yeah. And they all have different information that if they had just come together and communicated about it, the season would be over very, very quickly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Y'all text. And of, of course, yeah. And of course, that's that's part of their genre and part of, you know, the whole narrative. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not dinging Stranger Things for that. But I do like that Lost doesn't really do that. Like, when Kate figured that out, that was 2.15, I believe. And it's 2.19, four episodes later, and she's telling Jack about it. And now they can, like, figure that out some more. You know and what you I mean? And also justify her not telling him. Yeah. Because they haven't had scenes together. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Kate would, like, if you were going to think, like, oh, well, why did Kate tell him? Well, it's not like she's going to walk up and be like, here's some exposition. Like, yeah, especially when she's angry with him. Exactly. There's no reason for there's that. No Whereas, like, full offense, but shows like The 100, you're just like, why aren't these characters communicating information that they need? And it's like, oh, because the writers need the plot to move. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, great. That's bad writing. Yeah, it's different when Jack is like, we're not telling people about Henry for this reason, this reason, and this reason. And, like, Jack is like, I have a reason for not doing this, and I'm telling like Locke and I'm telling Saeed why we're not telling people. And there's a difference between like a character on say the hundred going and just like not mentioning the fact that they're not telling anybody, you know, it's just like (laughs) hand waving. I don't know. They just uh, don't know. uh, You know, you're like, aren't you people supposed to be friends and family? Like, why aren't you talking Mm -hmm. to each other? Like, well, cause we didn't need the the characters to talk to each other. Okay. Okay, That's not how people are, but whatever. (laughs) Whatever's convenient for you guys, I guess. Yeah, like, you just go ahead. I'll just pretend I'm stupid. Yeah. So she says uh, that she kept it from him because he was keeping things from her, which he definitely was, especially, like, in an episode like The Whole Truth, which we covered, and Jack literally said to Son's face, you need to tell your husband the whole truth, and Kate was literally standing there like this. Oh! Oh, really? (laughs) Oh! Hmm. Is that right? What a novel concept. Yeah, so weird that you said that. And then Jack, so they show up in the clearing and he starts yelling at them. And it's like as if they're just like waiting for you. Yeah. They, like, they have better things to do. At this point, we've met Mr. Friendly, yes? Yes. So like, do you, does he think that Friendly just stands in that clearing all day waiting for Jack to do something? Like clearly he doesn't, if if he does, he doesn't have his beard on all the time. I know. Like just the ego of that is so funny to me. Like mm-hmm. the others are like, actually, you guys are like a minor part of our existence. Yeah. <laughs> We're like keeping an eye on you, but we don't really care that much. But it really shows you how, I guess, self-centered Jack can be. Yeah. That it's like, like, you know, we're going to talk about this later when, you know, Bernard mentions like, why do we have to ask Jack for stuff? Why do we have to tell Jack? And the same here, he's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And then his assumption that they've just been waiting with bated breath for Jack to appear in this clearing (laughs) to summon them. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're not as important as you think you are, bro. Like, would that be smart? Like, for all of them, it's like, hey, we need to have one person who has all of the information all the time. Then we can figure things out. Is that smart? Totally. Uh, I don't think it should be Jack. It should be Saeed if it's going to be anybody. 100%. Exactly. exactly. But I also, like, even if the others do have people, like, on rotation, like, in that, like, around that clearing to see if they... Because they did make that, like, a specific line. They did. So... If they are waiting to see if somebody's going to cross it, like Jack's being like, I'm going to wait right here. They're going to be like, cool. Uh, I guess I'll let everyone know and come back. Be like, oh, I'll get you later. Like, oh, I got any plans tonight. Yeah. He's like, oh, today of all days. Does really? tomorrow work for you? Yeah. <laughs> he said, you said you're going to be here. So like, I was thinking like, 
Okay, so tomorrow's taco night, so we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I damn, I wish you'd called ahead. Yeah. He's like, did you make a reservation? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Party at two? I don't know. You guys also, you're not really dressed for the occasion. Like, you mean party of five? Oh, my God. Hey! I want you to know, I watched, Sam and I watched, like, part of him in Party of Five only because Paige Turco was in Party of Five <laughs> for a while. And, like, I was like, he's just playing Jack still. Yeah. Like, this is just Jack. Except that, except Party of Five was first. Oh, yeah, of course. And he had more hair. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But, like, remember that one time when he, like, assaulted a female bus driver so we don't have to be nice about him? Oh, we don't have to be nice about Matthew Fox. I'm like, uh, I don't have to be nice about Matthew Fox. Good night. Bye. A lot of the lost actors are really great. For example, we all claim Jorge Garcia. Always. Until forever. Um, but there are a few that were like, you know what? We're going to pretend that you weren't here. <laughs> I've um, never heard of you. <laughs> yeah. Evangeline Lily will stand for life. Yeah. Uh, but I've never heard of Ian Somerhalder. No. I've never heard of him. Crickets? Who? Whoops. Whoops. Yeah. Don't know him. Locke comes back to the hatch. Anna pressed the button for him, but Locke doesn't care. <laughs> He finds it easy to remember the map now. I really, I, this, like this scene is supposed to be, it's supposed to be like Locke being like, everything's okay now. I talked to Rose, everything's good. But all I could see was like Anna being like, hey, I'm glad you're back. I did something nice for you. I'm trying to make friends. And him going, not my button. She goes, okay, where'd you go? He's like, meh. And then he's like, leaves. I'm like, she's trying to be friendly. Exactly. And also, your whole plot line for most of this season has revolved around the friggin' button! Yeah. That you now suddenly don't care about, but that's fine. And uh, he did say that he gets to go and stretch his legs, which is probably not something, like, he didn't get to do that for, like, four years. Exactly, so yeah. getting to say that uh, phrase is probably exciting. And then he says he can, so now he can remember the map better. So what, what changed? Clarity? Perspective. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really, there, there really isn't much of an actual answer other than, like, some spoiler mm -hmm. things that I might have but um yeah other than just kind of being like a symbol for clarity i mean it, it could also be construed as like a spiritual unburdening because yeah. he now shares the secret with someone and mm -hmm. so that allows him to stop carrying that stress around right because like if rose knows okay so if i magically heal rose will probably have my back on why that happened <laughs> yeah yeah what changed now he knows he wasn't the only one who was healed now he knows it won't take as long to yeah just in general Life's gonna be good for him. Yeah. All right. Kate and Jack sit around a fire. Jack's gonna start yelling again when he gets his voice back. They discuss their weird kiss in 209, and then they hear some rustling in the bushes. It's Michael. He promptly passes out. I gotta tell you, I didn't even include this in, like, my summary, because I was like, yeah, Michael's back, but the kiss conversation, I was just like, oh, yeah, good, mate. <laughs> Kate is, like, bored. She's like, I didn't come here to, like, sit around, though. Like, I didn't say yes to coming to just, like, listen to you yell. Yeah, she's like, I'm here for some action. I want to be in the center of some action. Mm -hmm. I could have been finding muscles right now. Exactly. Jack. <laughs> I could have been bantering with Sawyer, and instead I'm having, like, faux deep conversations with you. What's that about? <laughs> How is he so sure they can hear him? Is this man of faith behavior? <gasps> because Jack is usually man of science here. Mm -hmm. I feel like because they said this is the spot, or he saw this is the spot, yeah. he's like, they must be able to hear me mm -hmm. logically, but it actually is like he's doing it yeah. on faith. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. There's no other reason. Like I genuinely don't remember if. Oh shit! What? I just had a spoiler thought. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! Oh yeah. boy! Um, Jenner <laughs> sitting here like, give me right. Okay. <laughs> Y'all gonna be real excited when I get there. Right. That's gonna be fun. Okay. 
<laughs> so she says, sorry for the weird kiss in 209. And then I immediately ran away. I was feeling a little crazy that day. I kept seeing a horse. I was, it was a whole thing. Yeah, a lot happened. And of course, the classic line that it's like one of those lines where if you're watching it for the first time, you can like say it before he says it. Yeah. And you know what it's going to be. Huh. I'm sorry that I kiss you. I'm, I'm not. not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I watched this happen. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry you made me watch this. Yeah. But then they're like both pretty chill about it. They're like, oh yeah, huh, shenanigans. Oh well, just, let's move on, I guess. Yeah, just that's over just, now. Just little Jake things. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, Michael is back and I have some more spoiler thoughts on that, of course. Um, but Jen, would you like to guess how many episodes Michael has been gone? He's been gone for a hot minute. Yes. Several. Uh, yes. Um, this but, is all I guess. But maybe, Several. yes, uh, maybe this uh, number in particular is important. Oh, force too few. Eight? Yay! Yes! Oh, yes! She gets it on the first try. I was like, I it's not 15, <laughs> but it's not four. I gave you, I gave her an extra hint. I asked yeah, her you before did. and she was like, hmm, what did you, I think you I said guess seven? Ten oh yeah, 10. Yeah. And I was like, how about you try again? <laughs> And then took me, she was like, it's a number. And I was like, emphasis oh, on number. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that's what I had. That's that's that storyline. Cool. Anything to add? Um, spoilers? Just to go back on what you were saying earlier about Jack really quick um, and his yelling being kind of faith-based. Yeah. The great part about it is that he doesn't think it is. Yeah. Like, he's totally basing it in facts when he's yeah. like... This was where they took a shot at Sawyer. This is, and he's like yeah. basing it all on like he's extrapolating totally. Yeah, and he's trying to make it like factual, quote unquote, sciency. Like, of course, I'm basing this on yeah on actual like you know. He's like, did, I, I have, I deduced this. Yeah, <laughs> I deduced this. I did it. Look I it. sure, I Sherlock this. This is for sure. Mm -hmm. But no, it's totally like you know a hope and a prayer. Exactly. And he doesn't realize that, and I—that's always what makes me laugh. Which also makes me laugh about the episode title. But I guess we can talk about that later. Sure. I—I sure. I actually think it's funny because, like, I think Sherlock himself has a bit of man of faith in him. Like, oh yeah, yes. yes. Like he's obviously like the man of science, basically. But like he has to have faith in. This sounds cheesy, but he has to have faith in himself himself? and his own talents yeah. totally. to say things with such confidence and like act on the things that he says. Yeah. This is not a Sherlock podcast, but I just wanted to say that. Thanks. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Okay. Um, uh, hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Can you tell me what Patreon is? I don't know what Patreon is. Uh, I think you do. Why don't yes! you tell me about it? I'm like trying to turn it on and she never lets me. Patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mean creators like you guys? Thanks, Jen. I was like, give me something. Yes, like the Aficionados. You can donate to us at patreon.com slash the Aficionados for starting at a dollar a month. A dollar a month? That's hardly anything. I could totally afford a dollar a month. Okay, great. I could probably afford three dollars a month because that's just like one coffee I don't buy. Okay, great. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I'm not I'm not myself right now because I don't actually drink coffee, but I'm playing a character. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also, then um, this character also do doesn't know anything about about Patreon. Mm -hmm. So, um, do I get anything for donating to Patreon? Yeah, you get like early access to all of our episodes, like at least a day. At least a day. Yeah. And what about the lost ones? Um, the lost ones, um, you have information on that I don't. Sometimes, like a week. Yeah. Depending on how fast I edit. That's you true. can have it yeah. that early because it's yeah. done. So why not just give it to you? Yeah, that's true. Sometimes she will just randomly be like. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it up and see who uh, enjoys that. Yeah. Yeah. 
The power is uh, in your hands. Exactly. And uh, what if I become a patron before November 16th? Well, then you get a custom-made postcard from us because it's our third anniversary. Wow. Yeah. And I designed it. Are you finished yet? No. Yeah, you better get started, huh? Cool. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's personalized postcard, and you get it sent to your house. We're going to write a nice message on it. Usually how postcards work, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we usually have a bunch extra, so if you're listening to this after November 16th, Go ahead and uh, and join, and we'll probably be chill with sending you one. That's true. Before the end of the year. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we would love to have you. Thanks. Okay, good. Hey, um, but if you don't have money, uh, word of mouth works. Just, like, you know, tell people, tell your friends. I have found that the Lost fandom is still alive and well, and they're looking for content. So, if you know friends who are, uh, who are looking for Lost content... We have it. We're your people. This is content. Yeah. We're, we're here. Um, and also, I am the queen of influencing people who haven't watched Lost to watch Lost. True, true. And I have found that this, at least for some of the people that I have spoken to, is uh, helpful for people who are watching for the first time. Cool. Especially because, like, some people think that it's really confusing. I don't really understand that because I pay way too much attention. <laughs> Like, I don't understand that because I'm a law stand. Yeah, but if people are finding it confusing, like, we're literally here to pick apart every single thing. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and it's spoiler free. So. What are you waiting for? Yeah. (laughs) Tell your friends. Great. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about Bernard and Rose, of course. You mean this, like, amazing, like, love story? Yeah. Iconic. OTP. Exactly. Alright, here we go. Rose and Bernard are sorting the food from the pallet drop. Bernard is a little weirded out by the fact that everyone seems to be fine just living on the island. He wants to do something to get them rescued. Rose doesn't seem into it. No. So are you... Now, this is different from, like, being Team Rose or Team Bernard in this whole storyline. Okay. But are how, are you Team Rose or Team Bernard on this whole, like, food debacle? Is it weird that we're just trusting this food? 100% Team Bernard. Mm-hmm. He may... I wouldn't have questioned it until he said it. And then I was like, it's food from the sky. What the hell? Yeah. Yes. What is this manna from heaven? Exactly. Question mark, question mark. No, totally. I it's like that reference. I, you're, you're <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Catholic upbringing, everyone. Um, no, totally. It's like, until he says it, you're kind of like, oh, great. They got free food. Good for them. Yeah. But when he questions it, you're like, wait a second. Like, why are we just trusting this free sky food? You didn't just get this from Safeway around the corner. This actually just came from... This literally a parachute. Yeah, no. I would question it too. Because you don't know if they're about to, like, mass murder you with poisonous mac and cheese. Yeah, like, what if you're, like, a a cult sacrificer? Poisonous mac and cheese. That's how I would go. That's that's truly, like, being betrayed by my true love. Because I would be like, trust, comfort, mac and cheese. And then they're like, ah, 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 dead. Trust, comfort, mac and cheese, except... Except that's live, laugh, love, but it's trust, comfort, mac and cheese. Thanks. Done. We should put that on our wall in the mm-hmm. kitchen. Mm-hmm. So this isn't bothering you at all? What's this? Well, this. This. Why is a bag of potato chips going to bother me? Well, aren't you remotely curious as to where all this came from? I mean, you're acting like we just got back from the supermarket. Well, I guess I was raised never to question my blessings. <laughs> I was raised to question piles of food with weird labels that just fall out of the sky, Rose. Well, honey, just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean you have to raise your voice. Bad day? I had seven weeks of bad days on the other side of the island just trying to stay alive so I could get back to you. But here... My God, Rose, they've built a kitchen on the beach. They've given up. Given up? On what? On getting rescued. 
So versus our other survivors, like our main characters, especially from season one, how does Bernard's time on the other side of the island factor into his wanting to leave? I feel like it influences every part of him. Because, mm-hmm. like, our group's been through some trauma, but they've been through nothing but trauma. They didn't yeah. get those beautiful moments where, like, you know, G- like, Sun with, like, her bathing suit yeah. or Hurley and his music moments. Like, they don't get those moments. Mm-hmm. They're just stressed the whole time. Yeah. So, Yeah. The other side of the island was uh, Strugs to Funk. Exactly! The entire time. Exactly! So I can't help, you know, but empathize that he wants nothing but to get off the island after everything he's gone through. So that's a valid response. And it makes so much sense that he think everyone is insane. Yeah. Yes! He'd be like, why don't you want to get out of here? This is a horrible place. Especially when he goes to talk to Echo and Echo isn't even on his team on this. Yeah, he's like, you're building a church? You're doing what right now? Yeah, it's exactly his literal actual gripe. He's like, we're making a kitchen. We're like, why are we settling in when we should be trying to get rescued? Mm -hmm. And so he walks over and you're like, and he's like, you're building a building? Exactly. (laughs) Yes. We're trying to get off of here. But also not just a building, a building that has no quote unquote practical function. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's a place of worship, yes, but, like, don't y'all need shelters more than that? Right, yeah. Like, he would have probably been less upset if he was like, oh, I'm building a fortified, you know, kitchen that's exactly. protected yeah. from the elements or something. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm building a church. A pantry yeah. or, like, um, or, like, a freezer. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something useful. You know, we're on a giant island, we need to keep some things cold, potentially. Right. Yeah. And, of course, like, for some people, like, religion and, like, a, like a place to worship is as key as anything else. But, right. like, on this island, since no one has demonstrated that before, yeah. you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> this is a convenience for you. This is a luxury. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... Bernard has had so many bad memories. Like, our heroes... Like, we forget about this because we've only had the the tailies for only this uh, season. Season. So we forget about this that because now that they're in with our regular heroes, we think that they're all kind of like now just like a group. So we forget that they're separate. They used yeah. to be splintered, but our heroes have had uh, good memories on this island as well. Mm-hmm. And for them, the good memories still outweigh the bad memories, and so they're like okay to just be here. But for Bernard, and Constant for some trauma. for some reason, not even Echo or Libby. He didn't talk to Anna. Potentially, Anna would have agreed with him. But for him, the bad memories far outweigh the good memories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even when scary things weren't happening to them, they were paranoid about scary things happening to them, right? So there was, like, no, you couldn't get restful sleep. You couldn't, like, it was, and now he's here and he's like, you aren't, I I think Anna said this, but, like, you're not, you're not scared enough. Exactly. You need to be more scared. You don't know what they're capable of. And, yeah, I just totally get Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why are you all acting like you're at an all-inclusive resort right now? Exactly. What are you doing? There aren't even any pina coladas. Golf course. Yeah, we do have a golf course. Ooh. (laughs) Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Rose tries to give Hurley some cookies that she saved for him, but Hurley's on a new diet. Bernard tells Hurley to gather a bunch of the survivors because he has a great plan. It makes me so sad how excited and proud Bernard is when he's completely missing the mark. Yeah. Yes. Um, his heart. He spends the whole episode being like, this is a good idea. Is it a good idea? Sure. Yeah. He just doesn't... He can't execute it. He doesn't go about it the right way. No. And he doesn't realize that he's not going about it the right way until it's too late. Yeah. I think he's a guy who always wanted to be a leader, but never was one. Mm-hmm. Which is why when he finally gets power, he abuses it immediately. Yeah. Right. Jumped right. at the opportunity. 
Yep. Right. Why do we have to tell? Why do we have to ask Jack about everything? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, A for intentions, D minus for execution. Exactly. <laughs> the cookies are called Darmalars, and it's supposed to be a parody on like some other sort of cookie that are like have a similar name. I looked it up, but I guess I didn't oh, write like, it in my like Lara bars or something. No, I don't think so. Here, let me look it up because I remember looking it up, and then I just I guess didn't write it in my notes. One mile. Darmalars. Uh, oh, these cookies were probably Darma's version of Malamars. Never heard of that cookie. Me neither. Oh, they are chocolate-covered, chocolate-coated marshmallow treats. Hmm. Look, they're not cookies. Like, didn't she say cookie, though? Yeah. Oh, there's a cookie on the base of that. Oh, oh yeah, I've and had that. And then there's a marshmallow on top. Yep. Gosh. Kind of looks like a seashell. I love how the, the Wikipedia page isn't even called Malamars. They're called chocolate-coated marshmallow treats. Delicious. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure Canada has a different name for uh, that. Okay. I was literally thinking this has to be an American thing. No. Okay. Rose said that she fought for those cookies for Hurley. Which I love because Rose and Hurley really have had, like, a bond, especially, like, in the hatch and everything with the laundry. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and after that episode, uh, Rose and Hurley would do the laundry together a lot. So they really do have a, a, a relationship yeah. that we don't always see. But So since he's on a new diet, it's nice that he's like actively trying like with Libby's help. He just seems so sad. He just seems sad yes. that he can't eat his cookies. More than fish and water. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, please, you're going to starve yourself. So uh, uh, Bernard makes a bit of a list about like who exactly he wants Hurley to go collect for the thing. Uh, it is our first mention of Frogert. Um, it is the character that is named after my father, Neil. Wow, for him specifically. His name is Neil. Specifically Neil. But they call him Frogert because he <laughs> owns a frozen yogurt company or like a stand or something. Stand. Yeah. So they call him Frogert. And when we see him later, because I love him with my whole heart, when we see him later, he goes, actually, it's Neil. Like, he's that guy, you know? He's like, stop calling me Frogert. My name is Neil. So, so I was like, I'm only going to call you Frogert. So I just, like, love him. Um, but he also mention, mentions uh, Jenkins, and that's actually Steve. So you can't always make the Scott and Steve joke, you know? Mm, like, yeah. sometimes sometimes you got to let it go and just call him Jenkins. Jenkins fine. You know? Uh, Bernard has a big speech for the other survivors. He doesn't think that they are doing enough to try and get off the island. Hurley reminds him of the actual raft they built, but I guess that doesn't count because it got it. Oh, sorry. I made a joke in my, uh, in my notes. Uh, it done got blow up, blown up is what I said. <laughs> that wasn't, I didn't execute that as well as I wanted to, but that's because I wrote this like a month ago. Uh, Rose keeps opposing Bernard, which makes everyone doubt him. He pulls her aside and she reveals that she thinks he's giving everyone false hope. I mean, I don't think it's false hope though. Like, the minute she said that, I was like, that's crazy because, like, for, like, in his mind, it's real hope because they're gonna get off this island at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, they have to. So, I don't think it's false, but for her, it's like, she's just so afraid of what's gonna happen if mm -hmm. they do. Like, if she, if she dies, if she leaves the island. Again, it's like, it's her wanting it to be a fool's errand. It's her wanting exactly. it to be false. Like, in Bernard's mind, this is completely logical. There is a plane that's dropping supplies over us, therefore there are planes... He makes so many good points. 100%. But she's choosing to not want to accept that because she doesn't want to leave. Yeah. So. And then deliberately undermines him. Yeah. Have you forgotten that we all crashed on this island? It's like none of you want to go home again. Well, how can you say that? Of course we want to go home. Well, then why aren't we doing anything about it? Dude, we, like, built a raft. But got blown up. Okay. So what are we doing now? That pallet of food had a parachute, which means a plane dropped it here. 
which means there are other planes that fly over the island. So we are going to build a sign, a, a massive sign along the beach. So that way, if a plane flies over or a, a satellite takes pictures from up there, we want to make damn sure that they know we're here, that they know about us. Maybe we should speak to Jack about this first. I think that eventually, like at the end of the episode, they get to the exact place in this argument that they need to be. Like, yeah. it's literally perfect. Totally. It's just like, she goes about it the wrong way, and the way that it happens is how it should have happened from the beginning. You know, like, she probably should have... I know that it's hard to, when you not necessarily get caught in a lie, but when there's a lie that you finally do need to tell the truth on, it's hard to tell that truth. Yeah. But if she had gotten there and realized that she didn't have cancer anymore, then as soon as she sees Bernard, like, she should be like, oh, and also I have great news. Yeah. Right. But of course, like, she was alone in that for a while, too. I don't know. I mean, she was alone without Bernard for like a month, just sitting there on the beach thinking about Bernard and probably thinking about this burden that has been lifted off of her. And how she can't share it with And him. there's no one to share it with. Like, I'm surprised she... And I understand that, obviously, like, narrative-wise, it needed to happen. Like, the reveal had to happen in this episode. But, like, she could have... It would have been nice if she had talked to Locke about this. Like, even if we hadn't seen it, like, it would have been cool if she had gone up to Locke and they had acted like they had already had this conversation. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? But I think it means more that we see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it does, yeah, for, sure. for sure. But uh, I just feel sad for her that, like, for that month, and even now she's still keeping the secret. Until, until now, that is. Well, I mean, but at the same time, admitting that would also mean admitting that there's something not normal going on there. Right. And that would be really hard for someone to, like, try to come to terms with, which is, I am in a place that it does not, like, adhere to the normal laws of physics. And Rose, as we saw, like, is very much like a man of science. Like, she doesn't believe that Isaac can cure her in the flashbacks. So, of course, she's not going to believe these things or want to admit to them. It's so weird that she's such a man of science in that one flashback and... Because she's such a man of faith in every other episode. Like, she's like, of course, like, Bernard is alive. I know it. And then when Char she's like, Charlie, you need to ask for help. And then she, like, prays to God and everything. Like, I just think it's so weird that she's... And then she even has faith, like, at the end of the episode when she says, like, I know. And he's like, how do you know? She's like, I know. But I think that's what the island did That's what the her. island yeah. did. Yeah. It converted her. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So you're saying that, like, through all of her entire life, she was a man of science. That yeah, seems yeah, right for exactly her. That's exactly what I'm saying. That and seems this, right for and her. this yeah. is what changed her. Yeah, yeah. I, that seems right for her. She's, she witnessed and is, like, the result of an actual miracle. Yeah. Great. Cool. So Bernard is saying we're not doing anything to try and get off the island. Hurley says we built a raft, but I guess we need to do... But then Bernard wants them to do more now because, like, the raft left and also Blue failed. Up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, oops. Hurley's like, listen, we gave it a shot. And we almost died, and we didn't really want to do that again. Yeah, so we, like, <laughs> stopped. The sign is probably something they should have done, like, immediately. Yeah. That's, like, kind of the first thing you do. Yeah. That does seem like a no-brainer. <laughs> you, you, it's interesting that it took episode 19 of the second season yeah. for them to be like, hey, yeah. an SOS sign. Mm -hmm. But they had other things going on, I guess, mm -hmm. like polar bears. Did they really never bring this up? Like, there was no thinly veiled excuse of this would tell the others where we are? Sure. So in uh, the very beginning of season one, um, when they're burning the fuselage, uh, Jack is like, we have to burn the fuselage. And Saeed's like, what about everybody's religion? And Jack says, like, we don't have time to sort out everybody's 
God, we like, it just kind of has to happen because like they're going to get eaten by boars and stuff. And then like Jack walks away and Saeed's like, what the heck? And Kate says, he's hoping that somebody will see like this giant blaze. Right, 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 right. So right. I think that's they've really- given the, it, They've given it a shot. That's really the only like thing that we've Explicitly gotten- Explicitly mentioned. For that though. Plus they also know of like Russo. Yeah. And Russo's been there for so long that at some point you're like, if she's been here for this long- and no one came to get her, mm-hmm. and she's probably tried all of these things. She tried, she, the we radio might, tower. We might be stuck here forever. Yeah. Yeah, so he mentions, like, why are we talking to Jack first? I think we already talked about this, but Rose even, like, starts to just, like, beat him down, like, in front of yeah, everyone. She's right. like, you're, you're, like, Jack's a doctor, but you're just a dentist, so, like, what do you, why do you think? And I don't think Bernard is saying, I should be the leader. No! Not at He's all. not, he's not saying, like, don't tell Jack, tell me. He's just saying that, like, we can do things separately from Jack yeah. and maybe some of us can lead other things like it doesn't just have to be Jack all the time it doesn't have to be a dictatorship yeah and I think like the interesting thing about Rose saying that is like it comes from such a mean place but it's something that she's doing so defensively so like mm-hmm. yeah it's a really crappy thing of her to do but like when you're that angry with someone but you're also that close to them that's when you can do the most damage yeah and like that's what I really liked about this whole plot line is like how much it actually resembles like real relationships, real mm-hmm. conversations that people have with each other. It's embarrassing. Oh, it's so embarrassing that his wife is the one who's going against him and is beating him down just by like. I mean, I respect the heck out of dentists. Yeah, I, I can't be I, a I dentist. Mean, I respect doctors, but I also respect dentists. So I don't really know. Like, I don't know when everyone started laughing, and I was like. He's just trying so hard. Yeah. Like, he has good ideas. She needs to communicate with him better. Exactly. You know? It's really too bad. Yeah, and so she tells him that you're giving false hope, and now he's upset. But the phrase false hope, I remember, like, really distinctly in 201, uh, in the Jack flashback, in which he basically goes in and tells Sarah that uh, your back is broken, and you probably won't ever walk again. And Christian, like, pulls him aside and says... You might want to start handing out some hope. And Jack says, like, that's false hope. I'm not out here trying to lie to people, though. Yeah. So I just remembered that the phrase false hope has come up before. Mm -hmm. Bernard goes to visit Charlie and Echo. They can't help because they're busy building a church. Bernard doesn't like that. (laughs) So we kind of already talked about this, but, like, this is genuinely, actually Bernard's exact problem with what's going on. Like, it's an even bigger version of, like, his problem with the pantry. Yeah, he's like... (laughs) Please care about something that isn't staying here forever. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where he was like, hey, Echo, you spend 48 days with a guy and uh, you don't even like talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what's going on? You know, you could probably, uh, you, sh- you could probably carry a whole bunch of rocks at once. Yeah, he's like, please help. Big and strong. Yeah. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, pass. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, no. Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> I like the moment where um, Bernard says, I have a whole team of folks helping out. I'm like, I'm like, bud, that's a bit of a hyperbole and I see what you're doing. Yeah, like you know, a lot of people bailed. He'd be like, we have a whole team of folks. And Echo would get there and he'd be like, uh, whole team, huh? You have Hurley and Jin. Yeah. 404 team not found. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, and then Echo mentions that people are saved in different ways, Bernard. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's a great line. Um, imagine meeting Bernard and hearing that. Yeah. You'd be like, this isn't about... Your freaking church right now. I need manpower. Yeah. Bernard has already lost a bunch of his volunteers. He explains the plan and then asks everyone else to do the hard labor while he doodles. People aren't happy about that. Yeah. Mm. Um. So yeah, a bunch of people left. He's like, where's Frogert? Frogert bounced. I mean, you kept knowing, Frogert. Yeah, knowing Neil and the character that he really is, I don't see how he would not have 
bounced. Yeah. You know, like that guy, like he's that guy. Yeah. You know, I feel like he'd be like, hey, what are we doing over here? I was told to come over here. And Bernard would be like, oh, we're building a sign. And he's like, okay, we can build a sign. And he's like, yeah, we need to haul some rocks. And he'd be like, bye. Here I go. <laughs> no, thanks. Also, he's like the lankiest person <laughs> ever. Like, you were no help anyway. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so he's like, everybody else do the hard labor. I'm going to draw the letters in the sand. And so Hurley's like, I can draw the letters. And Bernard's like, listen, Hurley, I'll do my thing. You'll do, you do your thing. Okay. You're like, that's why you lost all your volunteers. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put this sign across this entire beach, which means the letters have to be really big, about 40 feet. These black rocks will get maximum contrast with the sand. Dude, we're likely to need a lot more rocks. Yes, Hurley, we are gonna need a lot more rocks. There's a lava field about a half a mile inland. It's just loaded with them. We're gonna haul them out in two-man teams. So uh, you guys double up, and I am gonna start uh, sketching out the letters in the sand. Let's do this. Hey, um, I can sketch the letters. Everybody's got a job, Hurley. I do my job, you do yours. And Hurley actually has been told, like, just go do your job before. In 204, he was like, Locke, I don't want to be in charge of the food. And Locke is, like, in charge of the armory or and the button, I guess. And Locke said, like, I've had to do jobs that I didn't want to do either. Like, that I didn't want to do before also. You're so like, cool, then break that cycle, dummy. <laughs> so that's happened to Hurley before. Um, Jin in Korean says, after all, is it hard for us to do it? And he's um, pointing to him and Hurley. So he's saying, instead of you doing it, can me and Hurley do it? Yeah, he's like, what? this is my friend Hurley. We should work together. Yes. And Bernard's like, basically, no. And he's saying, like, isn't it worth it if we get rescued? And like, sure, but like... Or you're not doing it But also pull your own weight. Yeah. yeah, and also it's been like forever. And also the whole thing about Rousseau and also the others and everything. It's like, it seems like we're going to do all this work and we're not going to get rescued anyway. So yeah. we might as well do other things. It's literally, it's a pipe dream. But... And also, everybody's, like, pretty comfortable right now. Like, they're like, why should I do extra things when right now, I, now I'm not being attacked? Exactly. Like, it's like, can I just hang out? Can I have a nap? When I have time to hang out. Can I, <laughs> can I sunbathe? Can I build a church? Yeah, please. <laughs> Bernard asks Sawyer for his help, but Sawyer isn't interested. Bernard blames Rose for his lack of volunteers. Rose asks why he always needs to meddle, and he reminds her that she'd be dead without his meddling. Not great. Oof. He's not wrong? Which we had a conversation about, like, he thinks it's because she was healed in Australia. Right. But in reality, if they hadn't been in Australia, they wouldn't have been on the plane, there would have been a plane crash, and of course she wouldn't be on the island, she wouldn't actually be healed. Yeah. So, like, he's right, but he should not have said it. Yeah. And even though she knows that, he doesn't. And so from his perspective, he's saying, if I hadn't given that guy $10,000 and taken you right there, I done it, even though you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't be here. So either way, it's not great. No, no. But I also understand being so frustrated that you just kind of have to go and just like throw out the thing that you know is not nice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a point that humans get to. And I think like, there's like, there's a thing now with our society where like, if you're mean once, then you're done forever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, listen, you gotta let people grow mm -hmm. or nothing's gonna happen. Like, yeah. of course, I'm not talking about like people who are racist or things like that. I'm talking yeah. about like little minor things, you know? Mm -hmm. And like him being mean here doesn't mean that he's not a good person. It means that he and Rose are having a lot of issues and they're hurting each other where they know they can hit and have the most damage. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's two people who like know each other very well. Is that healthy? No. But can they recover from it? Yes. Yeah, percent So 
One of my questions about this scene was why does he need Sawyer's help? But I would like to answer my own question. Okay. Sawyer, as bad as he is in a lot of ways, is a really big influencer. <laughs> oh, I don't... Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Though? Like, I'm even though Sawyer... Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> even though Sawyer is not, like, a great person and doesn't always make the best decisions, other than, like, Jack and Saeed, Sawyer is the leader. So people if Sawyer helps, yeah. people will follow. And people love the Joker. Yeah. Everyone always loves, like... Class clown. The class clown. Yeah. Uh, he calls Bernard Norma Ray after the main character from this 1979 movie who becomes involved in the labor union activities at the textile factory where she works so he's freaking got it his obscure references are just the best like, yeah. what are you doing what did you do before this yeah god bernard had 15 volunteers uh-huh. oh that's a number but now he only has four. Ooh, that's also a number mm. how do they do these things <laughs> And, like, it's most annoying when they say a number and it's not one of the numbers. And then you're like, but you had this opportunity. <laughs> and it's like, it can't always be one of the numbers. Exactly. But it's like, the number's often enough for you to be like, why isn't it? Isn't it a number? It's like, it's a little, it's a line for sure. But Bernard's upset because he really expected Rose's support on this. I mean, they've only really, like, when you do the math with the with the flashbacks... They've only known each other for five months until he proposes. You don't know how long their engagement is, but they're coming back. They're flying back from their honeymoon. So depending on how long their engagement is, they haven't actually been like together or dating for that that long. But of course, you would always expect the support of your wife, especially when you're right. Yeah. And I mean, you can track it probably by Rose's hair growth. Yeah. Because her like yes. her wig does change through the episode. Yes, it's true. So it's like there's not that much time in between the proposal and going to Australia, but there's enough that she has a little bit of hair growth. Yeah. So two to three months, maybe. Yeah. I would probably ballpark them at maybe a year. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so they talk about how he just needs to like let things be and like let things happen. And of course, in both this storyline and the flashback, Bernard is like, "That's not who I am." Oh, I hope you're happy. About what? morning I had 15 people willing to work on the sign. Now I'm down to four. Well, how is that my fault? At the very least, I expected your support. You had to go and attack me. Have you ever stopped to think maybe the reason people were quitting is because you got yourself a management problem? What is the matter with you, Rose? I am just trying to do something. That's exactly right. You're always trying to do. Why can't you just let things be? And they're very like heavy handed in that where they're just like, this is who Rose is. This is who Bernard is. And you can see it even though he's right here and she's right here. They're diff- They're like still making the same sort of argument being the same type yeah. of people. Right. So, yeah. I understand he's frustrated, but you can't be saying things that you know you'll regret. Even mm. if you know it's going to hurt in the moment, which mm-hmm. is what you kind of want to yeah. do. Yeah. It takes a very intense restraint to yeah. not do it. Jin is the only person left helping Bernard, but when Bernard yells at Jin, Jin quits as well. Good for Jin. You go, Jin. Yeah. So Jin says, you are doing as you say. What do you know? At, who do you know as an idiot? Of course, like all of these things are, I say it every time, but some of these things are lost in translation, but we kind of get the gist of what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he keeps being like, no, we need three rocks. And like, I understand what Jin's trying to do. It's like you put one row and then you do another row and then you do another row. Exactly. And, then, yeah. and then it's like, at least you have like a very small, thin SOS. Instead of like constant Instead stacking. of like a weird, a weird, like upside down, happy face with no eyes. Or exactly. Right. And so he says, I know three too. Jin says that. 
and then says, would you like to do it yourself? Do it. And then he walks away. <laughs> he pieces out. Yeah. Good for you, Jin. And so Bernard tries to get Jin to relate wanting to, wanting the best for his wife. But Jin also knows that he deserves better than this. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to be yelled at. He's been yelled at enough. Yeah, he wants to help, but he also knows what he's worth. And also, like, Bernard's talking about, like, my wife and stuff, and I'm like, yes, God, that's so impactful. Jin doesn't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, Wrong audience. Yeah, like, he's got an idea, mm-hmm. but he, he, he's not fluent. It's only been, like, a month. <laughs> yeah, like, usually you understand better than you speak, but still... Yeah. Yeah. Bernard is working alone. Rose visits him and apologizes. She lied to him about being healed. She didn't want him spending the rest of their time interfering. So Bernard continues to work alone on the sign because he's stubborn. Like, he's not going to just give up on it as soon as Jin leaves. Of course not. This is also pride at this point. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, Robin? Moving rocks, Sam anecdote. Did you say that when we were watching it? It's about Sam. Was it me? I don't know. See, the thing is, when I wrote this... It was going to be like, we're going to record the podcast next week. <laughs> so I'll remember what this means. And now I'm like, comedy. I don't know. The only thing I have that's like related to lava rocks is that one time when Sam and I were literally swimming near lava rocks, uh, she like sliced her foot open on one and she still has a scar. Eh. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for lava rocks. And then I'm like, maybe it's about a character on Lost named Sam, but the only character on Lost named Sam is Kate's dad, which is which doesn't make right. sense. No, I guess I'm gonna have to skip it. Anyway, I'm gonna be really, more- I'm gonna be really upset when I'm editing this and I remember what it is. So I have a thanks. more in-depth question. Okay, do you think what Rose did was the right thing, letting him believe that she was cured? I have a lot of questions about Ooh. this. I have, I have some stuff actually in the uh, flashback. So let me look at, um, look at what I was. I had thoughts on this. What would happen in the future? She would just die and he'd know she lied? Yeah, that w- that's my question as well, is like, how long is it worth it? How do we feel about this morally? That was one of my questions as well. Is like, yeah, what do you do? It's like, when you're just like leaving it for later, and then like after you're gone, you don't have to deal with it anymore, but now he's like left with the knowledge that you lied to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I understand her wanting him to not use what time they have to fixate on that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And not enjoy the time that they have together because he's so fixated on it. So you can't really, you you don't want to blame her for lying. Yeah. Because she just wants to like live her best life and and enjoy it. It's definitely gray. So it's, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe like she could write him a letter to leave later and he would understand. But it's just like, I think with like who he was personally, he would, be really upset. I mean, at some point she would start deteriorating, right? Right. Yeah. So, like, eventually he would know within, like, the year, you know? I feel like she's also that type of person that, I mean, and we're going to talk about this later in the when we talk about the flashbacks, but she's a very independent human being until they met. Yeah. Right? So she's used to being like, this is my cross to bear. And, like, exactly. that doesn't change it, even though we're married now, even though you want to, like, shoulder yeah. this burden with me it's still my cross to bear it's my mm-hmm. journey it's my journey it's my you know my illness mm-hmm. so it i guess like that's her way of being like this is my way of controlling it and my making my choice and it's not your choice to make and that's her choice is to want to live and enjoy her life and not have him being all freaked out about it then right. why not 
Yeah. And actually, Brittany, now we can, now that I'm thinking about it, we can kind of hone in on that math that we were doing as to how long they've actually been together because she said that she has about a year, maybe more. They've known each other for five months when she says that. And she still looks like fairly okay and healthy yeah. while they're there. So mm-hmm. it really cannot have been that much no, longer. Right. Their engagement was probably pretty short, especially with the knowledge that she didn't have that much time. Yeah. Exactly. Rose apologizes, says that she is not that she is she's not sorry that he's by himself because he specifically says, please don't apologize. It's my fault that I'm out here by myself like at least he does know yeah he's like <laughs> he's like please don't apologize like after having worked by himself he probably was like i, was I a, did this. i was a jerk i shouldn't have done that i should know better and then so when she said i'm sorry he was like no but then of course that's not what she was sorry for she was sorry for lying after the crash rose could feel that her sickness was gone she's afraid that if she leaves it'll come back they vow to never leave the island you're you're bernard he didn't heal me But that doesn't mean I'm not healed. When you're sick and you have got something inside you that doesn't belong there, you can feel it. And after the crash, I couldn't feel it anymore. At first I thought it was just shock. But it wasn't. It's this place. But you said Isaac fixed you. I told you that so that you wouldn't spend what time we had left trying to do something. That, that is one of the most romantic things I've ever heard in my life. Especially after he's done, done so much to leave the island, had so many bad memories here. Who, and he seems to be the only person who's like actively remembering the bad memories. Yeah. And he says that they will never leave. Yeah. But he says it instantaneously without hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really got me. It's like, you know, you can see some characters like eventually arriving to make that decision and be mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're not going to leave, then I won't. But he was like, after this entire episode of him being like, get the we F off of this island, he immediately was like, okay, you're staying, I'm staying, done. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting also that you say that because like, she does say like, I'm, he didn't heal me. He didn't heal me. And then he goes, how do you know? How do you know? But then when she says, but I... That doesn't mean that I'm not healed. I'm healed now. And then it's like, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well then that does it. Mm-hmm. She can't leave or it'll come back, so they won't leave. I, I I think one of the cool things about Lost is like, you know, there were the mysteries and stuff, but at the end of the day, like a lot of it was also a love story. Yeah. And this episode is a love story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, knowing what we know about now, now about like why it was written, it's a heartbreaking love story. Yeah. But I, I think that's like the power of fiction is you can correct something that you wish had happened in real life and make it yeah. happen here. Yeah. So like Rose and Bernard will forever live happily ever after because of this episode. Yeah, totally. So the last thing in the storyline, they literally just like have a montage and <laughs> there's not really like a lot to read into it because it's like a lot of different people just doing the things they normally do, to be honest. So um, there is Echo and Charlie working on the church. Jin and Son are thinking about their baby. Do we know about that? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, yeah, yes, she had the whole thing. Okay, for a second I was like, wait, what? Claire is playing with Aaron. Hurley and Libby are like playing with like shadow puppets and stuff, which is cute. Sawyer gives Vincent food. My favorite part of that is that he was like, I'm too cool to pet this dog, so I'm just going to slap him on the back <laughs> and make him walk away. I was, you know, whatever. I don't care. And what Vincent, is affection? And Vincent's like, I know I'm needed here. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we just have Rose and Bernard. They are just kind of like cuddling by the fire and the music changes and it's lovely. But that's kind of all you can really glean from this montage. But I think what I get from that montage yeah. is that everyone is doing domestic things and not actively <gasps> trying yeah, to get yeah, off yeah. the island. Right. Like everyone's kind of at peace right They're now. They're just being. Yeah. So flashbacks. Rose's car is stuck in the snow. Bernard tries to give her a hand. She's independent, so she doesn't need his help. He insists on helping her push her car out, and it works. Rose invites him to coffee. I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I can handle this. Have a nice day. <laughs> I love the message that they met each other late in life. Like, they didn't, like, yep. cast new actors. Right. For, like, for them to have been married for years upon years upon years. Like, it, it was, happened recently. It was just, like, like a year ago. Yeah. Which, when she's introduced in the whole... Like, you know, she's holding on to her husband's rings on the plane yeah. thing with Jack. Our automatic assumption is to be like, oh, cute, a couple that's been together. Like, anyways, for exactly, me, yeah. I totally assumed, oh, yeah, it's a cute couple that's been together five ever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, right. they, they've spent so much time together. Like, she has faith in this because they know each other so well. No, right. not the case. Yeah. She um says, like, oh, when we fly his finger, finger swell, huh? And you're like, oh, they must have gone on many flights together because they've been together for such a long time but bernard has got that dentist money and they probably go on flights a lot because they just like vacation a lot exactly you know rolling in the dough so it's not like she lied no she's <laughs> it's just that true. they it's go just, on a lot of planes yeah yes um uh, rose will not be mansplained to um and she mentions that she's been driving in snow her whole life because she's from new york so this is in new york and i understand because driving in snow sucks yeah sham confirm yeah but I also, if she's been driving in snow her whole life, then she should know how to get out of it. Yeah. And that's not how. Yeah. <laughs> but she laughed at his dumb joke, which was really sweet. And I liked that she's the one that asks him out. Yeah. She was like, I got to shoot my shot. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm fine. Well, you know, I would have gotten it out eventually. Oh, sure. July's right around the corner. <laughs> Well, um, thanks for helping me. Sure. Uh, by the way, I'm Rose. Oh, uh, Bernard. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> okay. <sighs> drive, uh, drive safe now, yeah. okay? Yeah, 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 you too. Bernard! Yeah? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Uh, coffee would be nice. One thing that I think is really important to mention here is like when you're older, I assume that it's, uh, that you assume that a lot of people are married by that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing gloves. So you can't, like, see if they're wearing a ring or not. So you kind of just, like, they kind of just, like, both went off, like, the energy in the conversation yeah. that, like, if... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. yes. But, like, I also kind of wonder if that was Rose looking for a human connection, not necessarily a romantic one. Oh, gotcha. Like, she was just like, I want to talk to a person who isn't a doctor, you know? Right. Yeah, and she, but she Fair. still didn't yeah. even, like... Um, but she still didn't confide in him. No, she just that. wanted to have a normal conversation that right. he wasn't centered that wasn't about it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But it seemed like Bernard like kind of was into it like pretty immediately. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he like doesn't he legit say, "I knew the moment I saw you." I knew like, after five did. minutes. Yeah. He says. Yeah. Anyway, I really like 
all of the like nuance in that scene in particular. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. All right, time for the scene. Rose and Bernard are in a restaurant overlooking Niagara Falls. Bernard gets down on one knee and proposes to Rose even though they've only known each other for five months. Rose reveals that she had cancer and was in remission, but now it's back. She's only been given one year to live. She wants to make sure that Bernard knows what he's getting into. He still wants to marry her and she accepts. This is one of the most beautifully shot scenes in the series, in my opinion. Yeah. There's a lot of beautifully shot. There's like so much scenery and like all like the jungles and the beaches like they're all beautiful and i mean we have Ni- like niagara falls but like the close-ups on like sam anderson's heckin face yeah i was gonna yes. say it's because this is all about their faces who's yes. a gift to the world and they specifically like light it so that his eyes are the bluest blue yes, yes. You sparkling. Seen. <laughs> and you're like well of course she fell for him look at those eyes it's <laughs> true and I actually have a fun fact about um, the fact that they're at Niagara Falls here. Bernard proposes, this is from Lostpedia, of course. Bernard proposes to Rose at a restaurant that overlooks Niagara Falls. However, the view of the falls they have is impossible. There are no restaurants that view the falls from that angle, as there is no land there. The background, <laughs> the background footage was likely taken from the middle of the Rainbow Bridge, a busy traffic bridge that joins the borders of New York and Ontario. Oh, hilarious. So they got the footage, like, normally. <laughs> It's just that there's a road there. It's not real. And not a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Some like someone was like location supervisor was like, it's worth it. <laughs> like yeah. we're gonna do it, it's worth it. So in the way that we were talking about how Rose was a man of science in her I I, I say her previous life just because like Locke always says like there you have a new life on the island yeah. and you all get to start over. So like I guess technically not a previous life but like that's just kind of it feels ha- like a previous how life. i was gonna say it in her previous life she was in uh, she was a man of science and now on the island she's a man of faith she is also still religious though and she was religious before now like she right. she prays with charlie on the island and so we're like oh yeah of course because she's a man of faith but she was religious before then she says what does god have to do to get your attention yeah. So mm-hmm. she speaks to she speaks about God, but like when she's speaking to Isaac, she like kind of a little makes fun of like the process of chanting to pray I, and such. I stuff think like that. that because there's a difference when Rose is playing. She's praying. She's not asking for like something for herself. Mm-hmm. And with Isaac, she would specifically be asking such a huge thing of like God, which is please cure my cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I don't think she would have done especially in the presence of someone that she doesn't know. And for all she knows, it's actually making a mockery of faith. Right. Oh, very good. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. Why has Bernard always been single? Since he's been single all 56. Right. Like, so he's saying that he is 56, right? Not yes. that he had a girlfriend and now, and then 60, 56 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> like he's saying that his whole life, he's been a bachelor. Does that mean he's never had a girlfriend or just that he's never been married? No, he's never been married. No commitment. Yeah. No commitment. He was, yeah. He was George Clooney. Sure. Okay. Uh, so why, why, why has he always been single? I don't don't know if this is something that we're actually supposed to look into. I think it's just like a romantic thing he said, but I'm still curious. Since I'm the Marvel fan. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I can't help but quote, maybe he was just waiting for the right partner. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Such a loser. But (laughs) But like, it seems like Bernard has always been very open to it. Right. Though, like Rose like you said in the last scene, it seems like she ne- wasn't necessarily looking for anything romantic, but Bernard seems to have been... The bill. He, he's yeah. more He's more open to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, he says that they only met five mon months ago, but he knew after five minutes. Which, like, oh man, he's had that one in his back oh, pocket so... for like a while. Oh, oh, yeah, for five months. <laughs> uh, Brittany, would you like to talk about the ring? You have some uh, uh, ring experience as well. I was like, oh, he's got dentist money. Yeah, that, that dentist was a money. Nice ring. <laughs> so, and I was like, nice, nice. Well done, Bernard. You have some ring experience. Well, I did yes. recently buy a ring, but uh -huh. it's currently on Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So. Uh, how expensive would a ring like that be? Oh, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, not enough ring experience. No, um, especially with American prices. I'm like, oh, I can't adjust for inflation. <laughs> yeah. What was the diamond market like at the time? Yeah. What fair. was gold selling at? In New York in 2004. Exactly. Yeah. Right before yeah. the recession. Yeah. Rose. I've been a bachelor for 56 years. And then I met you. And... We just fell into this rhythm like we had known each other forever. I'd always dreamed of finding somebody like you, but I'd given up hope that I ever would. Bernard. I know, I know. It's, it's crazy. Um, we just met five months ago. But five months is long enough. Because I knew after five minutes... Rose, I love you. Will you marry me? Bernard, I'm dying. So she's dying of cancer. She only has a year to live, but he still wants to marry her. And you think like it's beautiful because it's because he loves her and he wants to spend his time with her. But it's also because he's stubborn and he does believe he can do something to fix it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yes. will, he's in denial. He's in denial. So, Which is like, I think two things can be true. I think mm -hmm. he would accept that if it like came to that. He also thinks, okay, well, what if there's a chance? Yeah, right, totally. you know, Like, I don't think it was necessarily, like, it was denial, but it was also like, well, really well-meaning denial. Yeah. It's like, he would have been happy with whatever time they had. But what if he could get more? But he's yeah. exactly, he's like, why not make a chance, like, uh, exactly. make an attempt to prolong this happiness if exactly. I can. So, like I said... At the beginning of the podcast, this storyline is actually based on um, L. Scott Caldwell's life. Um, and there's a bonus feature in which she speaks a little bit about that. So I was thinking we could watch it. I was going to um, put in a clip for the podcast and then we can discuss what she says on it. It's uh, loosely based on, on events in, in my life, in my personal life. My husband, who I married during the pilot, had uh, an advanced cancer. And about a year after we married, he died. When you meet somebody that are in the final stages of their life, the other person, or the healthy person, is going to do all they can to you know, keep you living. Um, so that's the dynamic of, of this story and the person that's going through it, you know, at least in my experience, uh, after they've been fighting for so long, you know, you just reach that fork in the road where you can keep going down the path of, of struggle or you can stand where you are and accept where you are and accept it as, you know, a blessing. And that's a, that's a very powerful place to be. It's good to let people know that there is life 
there is life, there is life, there is life, that it it doesn't stop you from being able to live and it doesn't stop you from being able to love and to, you know, find the love of your life at the end of your life is an amazing thing. It's just a gift from God and I think that's pretty much what the writers have done in this episode. That's so sweet. How do you, as like a showrunner, approach L. Scott Caldwell and be like, so we heard about your story with your husband. Do you want a happy ending fictionally? Do you mind if we write around that? Yeah. What I love is that the, the roles are actually reversed. Yeah. Yes. Is that now, like, she kind of admits that she played a Bernard type role. Yeah. In yeah. that and that they ended up being able to get to a place where they were at peace with it. And it, and it all happened. Yeah. And he passed away, but they were okay with how it ended. And now she can kind of see from his perspective for playing Rose. I do wonder what she thought of, like, the fact that it's sort of unfair that, like, this supernatural thing happened that allows Rose to live, but that couldn't happen in reality. Like, I do wonder if, like, that was something that, like, she had to grapple with as someone who watched someone she loves die. Mm -hmm. And had no power to stop it. Yeah, it's, it could go either, it could go one of two ways. Yeah, it could either have been like I resent the fact that I didn't get a ma I didn't have a magic island when I needed it, or it could also be like, isn't it great? Or it could be both that we could answer it with this type of yeah of thing. But I also I don't know, and I might have read this on Lostpedia and I've forgotten, so I apologize about that. But I don't know if they had reached out to her about that, or if she had, if they had been like, we want a Rose and Bernard episode. We're we're thinking about what we can do. And she had said, oh, this might be an interesting thing. Not necessarily interesting, but like cathartic and yeah. I mean, a story to tell. she's been, she was on the show when he died. So it's probably, it's probably that they were aware of it the entire time. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. she married him during the pilot. Like since she was a part of their lost family, it was probably something that like they everyone keeps of. track of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just really love that like sound bite of her. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It. It's beautiful. Yeah. And really powerful. I'm really sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rose and Bernard are on their honeymoon in Australia. Bernard has taken Rose to Isaac of Uluru, who is a faith healer. He's made a big donation so that he'll heal Rose. Rose is upset, saying that she's made peace with her life and she doesn't want this. Bernard can't just sit around and wait for her to die, so he had to do something about it. I just wanted to say that at the very beginning of this scene, uh, every man that's lost says they know exactly where they are, so you never <laughs> yeah. know if they are actually lost or not. Yeah, that's why when she was, like, doubting him, I was like, yeah, keep doubting him, please. Like, he'll <laughs> drive you right into, like, a bush. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. So they're on their honeymoon in Australia, and she says, I wanted to go on the beach for our honeymoon. Well, you got your wish, didn't Congratulations. you? Congratulations. <laughs> you live on one now. Yeah. So we have Isaac of Uluru. Uh, Brittany, did you want to talk about Uluru? Well, later in the scene, in the next scene, Isaac says that, like, there are places in the world that are, like, special or sacred places. Yes. And um, just speaking a little bit about Uluru before you say something about that. Uh, Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock, is a large sandstone rock formation in the southern part of the Northern Territory, Central Australia, which is already like a really That's confusing location. Direction. The southern, um, northern, central. It is sacred to the Aboriginal people of the area. Yeah. So there are some like I mean, there are places that like people consider like of course sacred, and apparently Uluru is actually on Australia's ley line. Uh -oh. which, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like you know whether or not like the supernatural like concept of. The, a ley line is accurate is, I mean, 
obviously always up for mm-hmm. debate. But um, I did think it was interesting that it is one of those sacred places that tends to connect ley lines. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, that would that would make sense if you can heal. And just a few days ago, of as of this recording, mm-hmm. they literally shut Uluru down to public climbers, so pe- so tourists and <gasps> people can't just climb it anymore. Good, they were they probably kept- destroying it. Basically, oh, yeah. So I, officially- I remember seeing that and being like, "That is relevant, interesting, to me. and thank God, because mm-hmm. yeah. we keep wrecking stuff on this planet." Yeah, I think it's interesting that now that Rose actually has been healed, that that implies that what Isaac is doing is legit. Maybe, like he really is out here healing people, or at least sensed. Yeah. Yeah. What he could and could not do for her. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he has some sort of ability mm-hmm. that won't be explained. Yeah. And it's like, seems like it isn't even just a location. Like, he says that he harnesses, like, the whatever is going mm-hmm. on there and then helps people with it. So, but, but like, when you go to the for island, money. It, I mean, it's a donation, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, what was I going to say? Sorry. But on the island, there's no one to do that like it i guess it's just more powerful so it just happens i mean there is someone to do that we just can't talk about that person <laughs> i don't even need to talk about that in the spoiler section the people who are listening to this who listen to the spoiler section know who we're talking about yes yep. you, if know, you know hey, then you know kobe thank you so much for like snorting <laughs> asmr kobe snorting she has faith but i guess she doesn't believe in faith healing i think we talked a little bit about that already mm-hmm. he made a ten thousand dollar donation with that dentist coin yeah you know um she says that she didn't ask for this because she has made her peace and i have a fun fact about this this is actually the only time in the entire series that rose raises her voice that's crazy i know that bernard says he can't just do anything because or he can't just do nothing just feels kind of weird mm-hmm. sentence wise but um and i see what he means but I'm definitely on Team Rose in the flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Yes. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Y'all well, this, are Team Rose, too? I, I mean, I kind of touched on this already earlier when I was saying how I feel like Rose thinks this is her cross to bear. Mm-hmm. And so she should be the one making active decisions about her own life. Like, yeah. Literally. So to have someone else not only make this decision, but also, like, not tell, not her, tell, her, not tell her about it until, like, oh, by the way... It's yep. a honeymoon, but I'm doing it under the guise of I actually want to heal you with this like sketchy donation person. Exactly, and he's doing it. He's specifically not telling her because he knows that she wouldn't want to go. Exactly. It's so like, well, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. They're both definitely in the wrong in different ways on in different storylines this episode. Mm-hmm. But I really like that because then we're not left disliking one of them more than the other. Yeah, it's very well balanced. Yeah, agreed. Rose sees Isaac of Uluru. He tells her that this is a special location of healing and there are many all over the world. Unfortunately, he can't heal Rose because this isn't her place. Isaac is very sorry, but Rose isn't. She's going to tell Bernard that it worked. So we kind of already talked about like how we would feel and what we would do morally. Well, we kind of talked about what would happen after she had died if Mm -hmm. she had lied. Um, But like, what would you guys have done? I personally don't think that I would have been able to keep that secret. No. Actively. I wouldn't have been able to hold it the way she did. Yeah. You know, at all. She's so strong. Yeah. So. Okay. So in Isaac's place, he's got like the crutches hanging of the people he's helped, which of course like crutches. Lock. Brings us yeah. back to Locke. And then of course this and also Rose is connected to Locke. So this all makes sense. Yeah. Then we see like uh, Rose is told that she won't be healed here. And she looks out the window and she sees Bernard and the little girl. So we see that Bernard, you know, it's just a reminder that Bernard is very kind and that he's doing 
what he thinks is best. Mm -hmm. And he just wants her to live. Yeah. 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 Then he says that it could be a different place. And of course it is. Isaac offers to return uh, Bernard's money. Right. But Rose says no. So at least there's that going for Isaac. Yeah. He's not a total con con artist. Yeah. Yeah. If he is a con con artist at all. Yeah. Yeah, He's a con artist with a conscience. Yeah. 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 He puts the con in conscience. Okay. Right. Bye. All right. True though. <laughs> yeah. What would happen in the future? We talked about this. How do we feel about this morally? What would we do in this situation? All done. Perfect. Great. If you guys want to hear our thoughts on that, skip back in this actual podcast and you'll hear it. All right. I think this is the last one in the flashback. So this uh, is intercut with with Rose explaining the story and yeah, how she feels yeah, yeah, healed yeah. now. Uh, Rose and Bernard are at the airport getting ready to board. Bernard leaves and Rose goes through her bag, dropping some medicine. Locke, wheelchair bound, picks it up for her. What a, like, I love the, the silence of this scene. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, so you basically just told this entire story with, like, one small exchange from people. Yeah. Which kind of actually perfectly reflects their scene on the island earlier. Tell me more. Where they're basically having a whole other conversation while mm-hmm. talking about the island and, like, looking at each other. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Can I share a really quick anecdote? Please do. Yeah. So, a couple weeks ago, I was in Houston at um, a, a convention. Yeah. And I was watching Milo Ventimiglia on stage doing his panel, and he was talking about his time on Go- uh, not Gossip Girl. Oh my god! He was not on Gossip on Girl. On Gilmore Girls. On Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and his favorite scenes that he had were the ones with Scott Patterson, who played Luke. Yes. And the reason why, and they both said this, like, outright, is Gilmore Girls is known for having those scenes where it's, like, it's a three-minute long scene, but there's, like, 70 pages of dialogue. Yeah. But their favorite scenes with each other were the ones where there was so little, Mm -hmm. and the words were allowed to breathe and take space and have meaning and let the audience just absorb that and let it sink in. And... The reason why I bring that up is I feel like these scenes, like the two scenes that Rose have with has with Locke on the island and this brief exchange at the airport, there's like barely any dialogue mm-hmm. and there's so much weight that brought more weight to the whole episode than 70 pages of dialogue did. Exactly. Would have. And I totally appreciate that. So I just thought of that because Milo saying that, I was like, holy crap, you're right. It's, mm-hmm. it's that exact thing. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, those heavy dialogue scenes are also like super super fun obviously. absolutely but uh and the characters of luke and jess both can keep up with those but they would prefer not to so when you have them together then it's and like nobody else is around then they're like great so i don't have to talk yeah yeah which is awesome which is fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. and it still means just as much which i love and it's like always also down to like those actors mm-hmm like, yeah. oh, yeah. it's always down to how good the actors are saying a lot with very little. Mm-hmm. Scott's uh, words were, my scenes with Milo actually allowed me to act. <gasps> oh! And oop! And I oop is <laughs> right. That's uh, right. good content. That's good content. <laughs> okay. Um, so I actually have a fun fact from Lostpedia about this scene, which really encapsulates um, the true, and we already know this, obviously, but the true attention to detail that this show does. Uh, so fun fact, several members of the tail section survivor background cast can be seen at Sydney airport. Their only other episode appearance. This is their only other episode appearance other than the other 48 days. That's That's awesome. Like they have background performers from the other 48 days that you never see except for like, you know, they're on the the flight because of, because they're tailies. Brilliant. Ridiculous. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So of course she's acting like she's healed. 
um, Bernard, Bernard now believes that the things that he does for her make a difference. Yeah. So now he's at the island and he thinks that last time I did this, it actually worked and it made a difference. So I'm going to make a difference this time. And she's like, still not into it. And she's like, no, not really. <laughs> Thanks though. Yeah. So she sees Locke in the wheelchair. Why, why has she been keeping that secret for Locke? Cause it wasn't her business to share it. Mm-hmm. Not her secret to tell. Yeah. And that's such a big secret to hold. And again, like I think it goes back to this island magically cured us. How much of that do we want to share with other people? From one secret keeper to another. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. She's like, not my business. You know my business. And exactly. it's no one else's business. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like Locke couldn't look at her and know that they were in a similar boat. You know? Right. So she's the only one that knows Locke's secret, except for I do believe Boone and mm, I can only remember Boone right now. Cool. But pretty sure it's also just Boone. Yeah, I think it is is just Boone. Played by that actor who will not be named. No. Whom? Whomst? Whomst? She's one of only three crash survivors to know about Locke's parallel. The other crash survivors who found about it are a character who doesn't yet know about it, which is why Got I can remember. And Boone in Deus Ex Machina. So Boone, Rose, and then another character who we do know, they just don't know no. yet. Yeah. So I can't mention that. That's why I thought there was another one. Cool. Yeah. What was I saying? That it wasn't, like, nobody knows her secret, but she knew Locke's. And if Locke had known hers, she wouldn't have wanted him to say anything. Right. Because, especially, like, if Bernard had found out, then that would have been all Mm -hmm. a giant problem. So she probably, I mean, she just kept that secret for him. Why? Which I appreciate. How? Uh, Are we going to do segments? Uh, Oh, yeah. I was like, well, we even did the spoiler section. Yeah. Segments first. Okay. So now it's time for segments. Uh, I'm going to do our best line award. So my best line award goes to Kate and Jack for... How long are you going to wait, Jack? Till I get my voice back. I'm going to yell some more. Same. Very Jack. Very Jack. <laughs> uh, mine goes to Bernard for... I think I liked you better when you just hit people with your stick. I don't know why, but that made me laugh so much. <sighs> it's a good one. He's just like, what I know about Mr. Echo, big, strong, hits people with sticks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say anything. Yeah. My, uh, you allowed me so graciously to have two. Yeah. Thank you so much. you do have to have a number one and a number two. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So my number one. You're always trying to do. Why can't you just let things be? Mm -hmm. Oh, so much weight. We've already, we've already talked about how much gravitas (laughs) L. Scott Caldwell has. Mm -hmm. But that hit me because I'm very much, and I just got a tattoo a few weeks ago. Yeah. That is kind of in the same vein of, and I'm just going to quote the tattoo, which is a line from Chris Evans giving a pep talk about anxiety. (laughs) All we really have in life is now, a series of nows. Mm -hmm. And Rose is very much about, like, this is a moment that we have. Let's, like, make the most of this moment. Let's treasure this moment. We're always freaking out and worrying about tomorrow and yesterday and this, but we don't have control over those things. Exactly. And so that line hit me as a 30-year-old Jen now because of how much it means to me um, in that profound sense mm-hmm. of like, sometimes you just have to be and, yeah. let, and let things be let instead be, of trying yeah. to affect change uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's my number one line. Mm-hmm. And my second favorite line is, where's Froger? What happened to everybody? Where's, uh, where's Craig? Where's Froger? Oh, where's Froger? my angel. Which has so much more meaning now that I know how much he means to you. I love him. I, but, the, but like literally any random character on this show, I'm like, I love Froger. I love Tom Friendly. I love George Minkowski. I oh, don't love Stuart Redzinski. 
people don't, <laughs> people might not know these names at this point, but I don't even know these names. I'm that okay. person that falls in love with super random, yep. not even secondary characters, like tertiary yep. characters. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'll yep. create like in my head like the backstory for them that no one talked about. Yep. yep. Like yep. who's your favorite Harry Potter character, Jen? Oliver Wood. Yeah. <laughs> what about good it? Answer. What about it? Yep. <laughs> and what about it? So yeah. I respect that. So, but where's Froger? Just summarize mm-hmm. Bernard and his misguided <laughs> and it's everything. Not even and it's not even just where's Froger. It's literally like where's Froger, and then he just goes, eh, whatever. You know, he's like, ah, eh, who cares? Just all Let's everything about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now we're gonna do uh, man of science, man of faith. So we have kind of changed that segment into stop being about every single character this episode, but just kind of hone in on the, the main character of the episode, which is Bernard and Rose. Now we can kind of skip over all of our Rose conversation because we totally we talked about it, yeah. her being a man of science in her previous life and on the island being a man of faith. So, but let's talk about Bernard. Mm-hmm. I think he's... No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, it's interesting because as a doctor, because dentists are doctors, yes. yeah, he is technically a man of science, mm-hmm. uh, education-wise and everything. Yeah. But so much of his action is, is faith-based, is like... I'm going to take you to a faith healer. Like, we're going to fly halfway around the world. Even, exactly. Even, I've known you for five months, but I'm going to ask you to marry me. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's all, like, you know, instinct-based, and this is what feels right. Yeah. So, to me, Bernard is 100% a man of faith, whether he would say that of himself or not. Completely agreed. Completely yeah. agreed. <laughs> totally. He does some science things this episode, including being like, oh, the plane flies over, there's a parachute, aha, that means this, that means this. Right. But his faith actions overpower that constantly a lot yeah. so we'll definitely keep that okay and he's also having faith that someone will fly over and see, see it. it yeah yeah it's like borderline wishful thinking there mm-hmm. okay so now it's time for hurley's walkman uh the songs that were played were these arms of mine by otis redding and the right girl for me by roger edens okay which are just like love songs because it's rose and bernard you know, it's a love story. Fluff. So uh, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. Lately, they have been doing the thing a lot. A lot. <laughs> but uh, this episode, they talk about the sign. Uh, but Bernard never says what the sign is going to say. So it's never actually said in the episode. But we see it. We, yeah, we see it. But, but how do I clip that into the podcast? Oh, T. Alas, they did not do the thing. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes since the last knockout? No one got knocked out this episode. No one got locked, knocked nope. out. So I think that means... Is that two? Or yes. is it three? Lockdown. It says two. two. Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown was 217. Yep. So after that happened in lockdown, then we have 218. This is 219. So two episodes since the last knockout. How many episodes since the last time Jack Jack explained something? Would you guys say that he Jack explained like the gun and the net and all that stuff? Would you say no. that he was Jack explaining no. no. this episode? I think he was just He was just being Jack. He was just being Jack, but it wasn't like Jack at like Full power. Peak Jack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Can you believe it? It's been two episodes since Jack Jack explained something. Thank Good you. for Jack. Good for you. Uh, does this episode pass the Bechdel test? No. Still no. No. Alas. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, uh, when we made this segment, we expected it to happen more often. It's been a little disappointing, to be honest. Yeah. That's unfortunate. We know that the Bechdel test isn't even, like, the best test for, like, <laughs> progressive television into progressive storytelling but uh it's the one that most people know and so exactly yeah we're we're gonna go with that stay tuned for our segment after the outro we'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers so proceed with caution thank you so much for listening to this episode our music is terminal by good news tunes thank you to the creators and community at lostpedia 
please write us a nice review. Like if you want to on iTunes, like that would be cool. Or like, you know, even just like stars. Yeah. We like stars. Mm -hmm. Love a good star. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a survey that you can fill out that is in the description and it will tell us what you like and what you think we could work on. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did season four, season five, season six. We're going to be doing season seven, which is the final season. And we're going to go back and do uh, seasons one, two, and three once the series is over. So close to being free. Mm. So close. And then we get to go back and remember, talk about the good days. Remember how it used to be before all that potential got pissed away. Mm. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too, like for real. Mm -hmm. um, we are, Jesus, we're at season four of Riverdale. I'm having so much shocking. fun. Yeah. So um, come join us because we just make fun of it the entire time. And I think that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We did uh, long form episodes for season one. And then we did some short form spoiler free uh, uh, one very long episode for season three as we were watching it. Uh, and then in 2020, coming 2020, our long form episodes for season two. So you're going to want to get caught up and subscribe to that one. Yeah. And also coming 2020, we are doing a Picard pod. So that's going to be fun because Robin's never seen Star Trek and I love Star Trek. So between all of us in this apartment, it's going to be an adventure. We're going to boldly go where Robin has not gone before. Never. <laughs> uh, you can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but uh, mostly Twitter. I also work really hard on Tumblr. I post gifts of all of our favorite line awards. So eventually I'll get to this, the favorite line awards for this episode. So you're going to want to... Follow us on Tumblr. Please support me. <laughs> and our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. And if you become a patron before November 16th, you get a card. Yeah. Everyone likes cards. Everybody likes Why cards. Why wouldn't you want a card? Everybody loves puppets. Yeah, you can put them on your fridge. My mom has a collection. She's going to have year one, year two, and year three. Listen, if you're just starting now, start a collection. I love your mom. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Appertania. We just... You know, as I'm saying this, I'm picturing Casey mouthing the words. Yeah. Um, you can follow, follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. This was really fun. Yeah. It you was had such good Oh, yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. And can you tell everybody where they can follow you again? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jen of the Moon. There's no underscores or spaces there. Or yeah, you guys can, can find it. Spaces. It'll be in the description. So just look down there. Yeah. So follow me for fandom and food and travel and yelling about my feelings. Oh, so much good travel, my babe. Join us for our next episode, which is 220, Two for the Road. Yes, and we're going to be having Isra on there. She's at Isra Glass. Uh, I think we've talked about her before. She's yes. sent in some of her thoughts, and we are really excited to have her and talk to her. And uh, wow, it's exciting. Yes. <laughs> That's super exciting. Yay! Okay, love you. Bye. Love you, love you, bye. I guess I love you. Bye. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's time to talk Now it's time for spoilers. Okay. So I definitely have some thoughts on the spoilers, including ones that I came up with as we as we were, Absolutely. were talking. Okay. Um, but I also have some fun facts from Lostpedia about this episode in particular, so oh. I will mention those now. So it, it's the first episode to have flashbacks centering around guest stars. I already mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast, but there's more information. The earlier episode of the other 48 days featured flashbacks for regulars Anna Lucia, Echo, and Libby, as well as scenes from the perspectives of Bernard, Cindy, Goodwin, and Nathan. However, as the episode did not follow the traditional formula, these flashbacks were considered non-centric. Oh, well, Ooh. all right. 
Yeah. The episodes uh, Live Together, Die Alone Part 1 and Live Together, Die Alone Part 2 also featured flashbacks for then-guest star Henry Ian Cusick. Confirmed Dead flash uh, featured flashbacks from three main characters, Daniel, Charlotte, and Miles, as well as two guest stars, uh, Lapidus and Naomi. The Incident Part 1 featured a flashback for Ilana, who, like Desmond, became a regular at the beginning of the next season. The Incident Part 1, The Incident Part 2, and Across the Sea all featured, flashback, all featured flashbacks for Jacob, who, unlike most of the characters listed above, was, was never promoted to main character status. And yet, he got a pop Funko <laughs> over Saeed. Thanks. I'm still mad. I also have another fun fact that is ridiculous, that you guys will never believe, and you don't even notice, which is the sad part. Uh, okay. This is the last time we see Rose until Greatest Hits at the end of last... Of- the, the end of next season. What? Wait, what? Yeah. Not until the end of next season do we see Rose again. This is the last time we see Rose until Greatest Hits. Why? I don't know. Because in season three, they're like at Dharma and stuff mostly. Like that's where a lot of the action is happening on Hydra Island. Okay, that makes me mad. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I read that's that and really I was like- really upsetting. I read that and I was like, there's no way. It's ridiculous. That makes me really mad. Yeah. So- Okay. She I mean, was, she was too good for that. I mean, exactly. what, a way to, what a way to take her out for a while, though. Like, it's a great episode. Uh, all right. So let's do some spoilers. We're going to start with the Henry slash Jack storyline. I think you'll find his name is Ben. Oh, yeah. I guess we can call, <laughs> we can call Ben now. Yay. So, uh, Brittany, you had mentioned that Jack had taken the Hippocratic Oath, and that's why he had to help Ben um, with his dressings yes even though he's obviously one of the others yes and uh i remembered that in season three they're like please will you do surgery on ben and then he messes up ben's surgery and it's just like let my friends go or i'm gonna let ben die oh right he was like well i compromised my morals by this yeah he's like whatever <laughs> i'm a changed person yeah. for now i'm dealt enough with ben to know that i can do this and yeah. not feel bad yeah i guess i need to change your dressings because i still need you Exactly. Yeah, right. And for all I know, you might still be innocent. Right. Until he says, they'll never give you Walt. But I love how he's pretend he's still pretending that it's not him. He's like, they'll never yeah, give you like, Walt. Yeah, he's like, he, he kind of puts himself as like the victim of that. Yeah, and I'm right. like, you're an asshole. And he has been doing that like a, like the whole time. He's been like, what? No, they'll never let me. I'll be in so much trouble. I'm like, you're the one in charge, bud. Exactly. But like, go off. I found that the music was very Beach Boys, like I said, and the Beach Boys are important because at the end of next season, uh, Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys is the password to turning off the jammer in the looking glass. Oh, right. So, uh, yeah. Nice observation. Thanks. That's crazy. You were very excited when that hit you. (laughs) I was like, ooh. Did he press the button? Yes. He yeah, did. of course he, put he, did. It, he put in the numbers. He pressed because we all saw what happened when you don't, which yeah. is Desmond gets his clothes blown off. Yeah, exactly. And a plane, plane crashes. Yes, yeah. Um, Kate and Jack were saying, uh, or Jack in particular was saying that um, the others don't want them, which is why he brought Kate. Um, but they actually do want them because Michael comes in with his list of people that he's supposed to bring back, which is Kate, Jack, Sawyer, and Hurley. Yeah, right. they just didn't want them at the time. Yeah, so uh, you're wrong, Jack. They didn't know how valuable <laughs> they were. Yeah, Jack, you are wrong. <laughs> oh, one else is new. Um, does Jacob help Locke remember the map? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I, I think like that's a reading you could do, but I also think it's supposed to be a symbol for clarity, and that's what it is. So. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I'm so loath to give credit to Jacob all the time. I was gonna say, why would yeah. I give him credit when I can give the, the conversation with Rose credit? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you guys ready for the big thing that I was really excited about? I'm ready. So we were talking about how, like, wouldn't the others have somebody out there for, like, when Jack showed up? 
Yep. Because they had made a line. Yeah. Right. And uh, when Jack shows up, who shows up? Uh, Michael. From the others? Friendly? No, the no, I mean like the others had Michael captive. And Michael conveniently showed up after Jack was yelly yelling. Oh at right. the thing. So that I'm works. I'm not necessarily saying that the others like person on the inside, like the person who was waiting there was Michael because Michael was really like someone when he, when heard he, it when oh. he got there. But it's clear that someone did hear it and they were like, It's time to bring Michael back in. Yeah. Time to set him loose. Yeah. And uh, we get all of Michael, all of like everything that has happened to Michael in an episode that's coming up called Three Minutes. I wish I could remember like all of the details and all of the like timing because like all of the timing is like crazy with like the amount of detail that goes in there. Um, but of course, I think we should probably talk about that when we get to that episode. Um, but we do get lots of answers about Michael. Yeah. But I was pretty excited about that, realizing that like oh, duh. the timing Cause wasn't. And effect. Yeah, the timing wasn't necessarily a coincidence there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so that's all of my spoiler thoughts for the Henry storyline. Now going back into the Bernard on the beach storyline. So we got our first mention of Frogert. Um, the first time we actually ever see Frogert is in one of the uh, uh, Mobisodes. One of the ones <laughs> oh, that... Oh, yeah! Had. Yeah, uh, it's called The Adventures of Hurley and Frogert, I believe. And it's basically just Frogert being like, Hey, I want to ask out Libby. And Hurley's like, no, I'm going to ask out Libby. And Frogert's <laughs> like, well, I guess we'll see who wins then. And that's basically it. But Frogert dies at the beginning of season five. He gets hit by a flaming arrow. And uh, honestly, it's a pretty badass way to go. And I respect. Yeah. I like him because they're trying to, to start a fire. And he goes, we don't even have fire. And then he gets hit by a flaming arrow. And it's just great. He does great content. And I, and I love Frogert also because we don't, we don't even just like lose him. Like we, he's in the flash sideways. True. He's sitting in between Locke and Boone, f- like sleeping on the plane in LAX. Like Frogert's out here, yeah. you know, <laughs> like low key. He's out here. But kind of high key. Yeah. yeah I was going to say not yeah. low key at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Super high key. It's great. Uh, 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 Echo is uh, building a church and uh, he's actually building this church. I think we learned this in two episodes as we have uh, the, question mark episode it's all about echo and he is taught and it's like uh in the flashbacks he's the new priest at the church that yemi was the priest at and um he tries to stop all of the like bad people from stealing all of the medicine from the people in the village right um in which part at which point like they come into the church and he like murders these men in the church and then they say you have ruined this church and then I believe, and I don't remember exactly how it's said, but it's like kind of implied, not even necessarily implied. I do believe it's actually said out loud that Echo owes Yemi a church. Because <laughs> you, ruined, a church. you ruined his church. This was his church. You owe him a church. And Echo is now building Yemi a church. Right. This is the this, this is, is the Yemi's church. church. That's kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, so lastly in this storyline, um, they say, okay, we'll never leave the island, and uh, they don't. Yes, true. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah. They, they sure don't. they sure don't leave they, that island. They literally never leave the island. Like after the flaming arrow attack in season five, it's literally just like our main characters are the only people who's left. Mm-hmm. And we don't see Rose and Bernard again until the season five finale. And we think like like I guess either you just forget about them or you just like assume that they died. Right? Yeah. Just like everybody else did, but then you find them and they're living with Vincent. They're literally living happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And they like been trying to avoid all of interaction. Yeah. Yes, 
They're like, um, we don't want any part of this nonsense that Jack gets himself in. And, like, maybe they would have died had Desmond slash Jack not fixed the heart of the island because the island was kind of falling yeah. apart at that point. Right. But they all, like, most of them, like, fly off. But Rose and Bernard don't. And you assume that they're okay because they fixed the island. Right. But, but they definitely can, didn't leave. But you can see that at the end of the episode, they would have been okay if the island fell apart. Yeah. Like, this is this is cool. This is where we're at. Exactly. We're at peace. Yeah. We're, we're, like, we're tired. Now. Yeah. Something I love that I didn't actually know where to talk about this, mm-hmm. but the title of the episode. Yeah. SOS. Mm-hmm. What Bernard tries to do the entire episode is inherently something that is very factual men of science based. Like we need to make yeah. a sign, but SOS in itself, which stands for save our souls mm-hmm. is literally a faith yep. based like, even though people, you know, in, like, the 18th century used it for, like, an SOS, like, yeah. on a boat. But it, the words themselves are faith-based. Mm-hmm. And I love that juxtaposition of oh something so factual used. Yeah. Or based on something so faith-based. I never thought about that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was always something that stuck with me. I was like, it's so ironic that you're doing all of these things. Like, this is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. <gasps> but, love that. Yeah. Uh, so for the flashbacks, I actually only had one spoiler thing, and it was from Lostpedia. It was a fun fact from Lostpedia. Um, Rose accidentally dropped her pills at the airport, and Locke, still in his wheelchair, picked them up for her. She is one of only three crash survivors to know about Locke's paralysis. The other crash survivors who found out about it are Sawyer, as of the brig, and Boone in Deus Ex Machina. It is also probable that this is the secret that Locke told Walt. Oh! And the big crazy thing that I don't even know if this was, like, purposeful or not, but um, Boone found out in Deus Ex Machina, which was episode 119, mm-hmm. uh, Rose, it was revealed that Rose knew in uh, SOS, which is 219. 219. And uh, Sawyer found out in the brig, and did you want to guess what number episode number that is? is it 319? It's 319. Holy crap. How weird is that? I like. It's like, I, I don't know how that possibly could have been, like, purposeful, but, like, what a coincidence. It's one of those, like, fun, like, little lost, like, fateful things. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, like, being assumed that that's what he told Walt, and he told Walt that in Pilot Part 2, which is 102, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's all I had. Did you guys want to add anything else? No. Cool. Uh, so, yes, thank you, Jen, for joining us. It was so much fun. Truly my pleasure. This was a blasty blast, and I had the great privilege of watching you two in real time. <laughs> Oh yeah, can you tell everybody about that? <laughs> so <laughs> like incredible. This was life changing for me because I have done podcasts before where I had headphones and a microphone talking to someone who was in California. Yeah. Um, but actually having a conversation um, and seeing us all get for really three hours is really fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I had a true blast. So thank you guys for inviting me. It was exciting. Thanks for coming to be here in the same room. Yeah. Thank you. you for allowing me to relive such an important time of my life and a fandom in my life and letting me revisit and re-examine it as an adult, Mm -hmm. which really made me introspective and think about things in a different way. Hell yeah. That's so special. You should, you should listen to the other episodes of the podcast and then like, let us know if you have any extra thoughts because we want to like, we could like discuss it on the I shall. Oh, I shall. Oh, oh, I shall. Oh, I shall. shall. (laughs) Uh, Can you remind everyone one more time where they can follow you? Once more times. You can follow me uh, at Jen of the Moon. Uh, and if you are so inclined and are a fan of Sebastian Stan, you can also follow at Sebastian Stan fan. And I just wanted to point out that tomorrow is the first anniversary of me having taken over that from a lovely other person. So um, I'm doing a giveaway. 
tomorrow on that page. Obviously, yeah, this is this is gonna be way later. <laughs> but I'm just happy that it's been a year that I've taken over that page. That account has 145,000 followers. So are you gonna like you name drop us? Person. Or yes, that is so cool. So yes. I will leave you. Yeah, do it and then be like, we talked about Sebastian Stan, and then everyone's gonna be like, I gotta listen to that, and they're gonna be real disappointed because we didn't talk we about We brought up Carter before. Basin, <laughs> and they accidentally said that Milo Ventimiglia was on Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different show than I remember. Very different. Uh, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B R I T T A N I A with an underscore at the end. Uh, at the Aficionados is us all over the place, including an app called TV Co, in which we uh, stream every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Vancouver time the previous week's episode of Riverdale. So uh, even if you don't watch Riverdale, we would love to have you over there because we have lots of fun. Yeah. Follow for the lols. Follow for the lols. Exactly. Join for the lols. Yeah. <laughs> Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you spare a dollar, we'd really appreciate it. And November 16th, postcards. Do it. Yeah. Get that postcard. Listen, yeah! This comes out on November 8th. You've got eight days. Get going. No <laughs> excuse. No excuse. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Yeah, love you. <laughs>